El Fanboy, episode 19. Hi everybody, Mario Francisco Robles, MFR here with you, and this is the 19th edition of the El Fanboy Podcast. It is a very, very special edition of the El Fanboy Podcast because today is my birthday. Today I turned 34 years old. I don't even want to think about that. I can't believe I've made it here. I'm getting old, guys. I'm getting old, but... Right now, that's not even what makes this so special, because today I was able to assemble my very own Justice League for today's show. I, I can't even believe the people that I got on this show. I'm actually recording this backwards. I didn't. This morning was such a mad dash of getting everyone together that I'm recording this backwards. I've already had the conversations, so now I can comfortably tell you who joined me, which is good because I was worried about recording the intro and then somebody bailing. So on today's show, I get joined by Brandon Collins of the Medium Popcorn Podcast. If you guys don't listen to that, you really should. Those two guys are really funny, and their style of show is is a different. It's a different kind of animal than mine. So, you, you know, it's not going to be like you're getting all the same information. What they do over at Medium Popcorn is they will like pick a movie and dissect that movie from start to finish on each episode, and they have their own humorous takes. Brandon Collins is a stand-up comedian. I mean, it's a great, great show. I've been on it a couple times. So he, he, he did the honors, and he came on El Fanboy today. We have a nice free-form conversation about all things Sony, Marvel, Spider-Man, Venom, Carnage, all that sort of good stuff. Then I'm joined by Bill Jet Ramey of Batman on Film. He is the man responsible for that wonderful site. He has so much insight, so much information about what's going on with Justice League. We talk all things DCEU. Then Kelvin joins us, and the three of us start, we, the DCEU conversation explodes. And we talk about it even more. We start talking about some Star Wars stuff, just in time for Dave Gonzalez to join us as well. And Dave, as you guys probably already know, he's from the Storm of Spoilers podcast, He's a phenomenal gent, that man is, and he's a, he's got so, he's such a bottomless, he, he, his, he's, there's just so much knowledge in that man, that he's a bottomless pit of all, of resources when it comes to these conversations, and he helps us all talk about the, the, the shift of power over at the DCEU, about Star Wars, and we also talk about Spider-Man, because he has his own sort of inside perspective of what's going to happen now as Sony tries to make its own little branch of the Spider-Man universe. So this was just such a phenomenal surprise of a day. Uh, I knew I wanted to make this episode special, and I guess I'm just so lucky that I've got great friends and great allies and great supporters, and I was able to put this together. Because to be quite honest, I didn't even plan for this. This morning, I woke up. Thinking about, all right, well, I owe everyone a podcast. I had to miss Tuesday because of work. 
So I promised people the Fanboy Friday edition was to come. And me being me, I mentioned it was going to be a special one. And I'm like, how the fuck do I make this special? And then I just had this light bulb go off my head. I'm like, you know what? I have these amazing friends online. They're all great, you know, knowledgeable fanboys in their own right. They all bring their own unique perspectives. Let me reach out to all four of them and see if they want to be on the show. And one by one, I got yes, 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 yes. And lo and behold, I, I you know, we had this amazing, riveting conversation about all things fanboy. Uh, this episode is going to be like almost two and a half hours long. So this should make up for the fact that I kept you guys waiting. And hopefully in the future, I'll, I can, I'll be able to get these guys on for just one-on-one -on -one solo chats for like regular episodes. We're going to go ahead and treat this like a supersized edition of El Fanboy. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I've already been yammering on and on and on. So let's get into it. The first person I spoke to today was Mr. Brandon Collins. So here we are with that chat. How you doing, Brandon? I'm good, Mario. How are you on your birthday? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. As usual, I tend to kind of work hard like kind of an asshole on my own birthday. I always kind of forget about myself. But here I am, and here you are, and I'm so excited yeah, to have you on. How's it going? Yeah, how's yeah, everything? Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. How's everything going over in medium popcorn land? It's going good, man. Listenership's growing every week. Uh, we have a Patreon page, which has a bunch of insane bonus episodes like we did uh that movie enemy with jake gyllenhaal uh, directed by dennis uh ben Aviv, who did um you know arrival is doing blade runner um have you ever seen that movie that movie's crazy which one which one enemy no i haven't it's, seen it's enemy insane. yeah really? so we did that we did uh passengers with jeff lawrence so uh, you're, you're on, on a Denis page. villeneuve uh, kick aren't you uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a fan of his style, uh, but he has had a few misfires, but uh, overall, I'm excited for Blade Runner. I think it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, so so tell me a little bit about the Patreon page, because my, my listeners keep telling me I have to get on that, and I kind of keep forgetting to, to do it. It seems like a lot of work, but you know, what's up uh, with your Patreon page? Yeah, it's not too much work. What we do is we offer like a, up to two bonus episodes a month. Okay. Uh, you can subscribe to five to ten dollars, and we do um, extra episodes pretty much. We and we do like a lot of polling of our patrons to see what episode, what, you know, what movies they want to talk about. Yeah, uh, you get first dibs on live shows, and we're going to start doing um, fake uh, posters that you can use <laughs> as phone backgrounds, which would be cool too. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Yeah, so you got a lot of stuff going on there. So you're saying you're saying it's worth it. You're saying I should I should because actually like I got the account. I've just never actually like got it up and running for people to do their thing. So it's worth it, the Patreon thing. Yeah, it's definitely worth it, especially like if your fans want to support you. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely a a good way to keep them engaged. All right, all right. I think you're giving me an incentive to do just that. <laughs> um, and do you have any like special medium popcorn stuff coming up? Any live shows? Anything you want to mention? We do have a live show coming up in August, but uh, we're still waiting to solidify our lineup in the movie. So um, all I can tell people is just follow us in Medium P Podcast on Twitter, and we'll be announcing there uh, all the details for our August show. Right on, right on. I think I'm going to try to make it to that because you guys are local boys like me, New Yorkers. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Cool. You got to come on, man. 
Yeah. All right. So let's talk about, I, I know that you were interested in talking a little bit about this Venom situation, the Sony Spider-Man situation. So what, what angle of this tangled mess of this web, I should say, kind of apropos, uh, is the most intriguing to you right now? Well, at first, um, I said something on Twitter about this uh, when the, when I first saw the Kevin Feige, uh, Amy Pascal interview where yeah. she kind of was, oh, yeah, Bennett's part of the MCU. And he was kind of like, well, what? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but then I did some more research and Hollywood Reporter saying that part of the Sony deal technically does kind of force. I, I didn't realize that Marvel really just made the movie for Sony. But that Sony still owns all the rights and everything. Yeah, so for technically, sure. Tom Holland's under contract. Oh, I don't know what that was. That was weird. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so technically, Tom Holland, I guess, is contracted with Sony. Yeah. And Marvel, which is weird. Yeah, it, it, the, the, the situation there is so kind of weird and vague. But technically, yes, yeah, Sony owns him. And that's always why I've been a little anxious about this deal, because like at any time they could just decide, you know, what, we're going to make a Spider-Man movie without Marvel now. And then what the fuck happens? You know, it's that I mean, they kind of are doing that, doing the animated Spider-Man, which is going to be. Yeah. It just miles. So I can kind of dig that it's an animated movie. Yeah. However, the, the Venom spinoff is going to be weird because. It's I, first of all, I don't know how they're going to do Venom because remember the misfire in Spider-Man Three yeah. was that they would unmask Venom and show uh, Topher Grace's face, which was just weird because that's not how Venom works. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's like the same conundrum they have with the Incredible Hulk with Mark Ruffalo. They're like, we want we don't want to do a whole Hulk movie because why book someone like Mark Ruffalo when he's going to be CGI the whole time? Like, yeah, you want to be able to get him in a human capacity. So it's going to be really interesting to see if they get the story right for Venom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I kind of get the sense that Tom Hardy is a bit of a fanboy. You know, I feel like he loves this character and this being involved in these kinds of movies. If you pay attention, like, you know, he was Bane in The Dark Knight Rises. He was supposed to be in Suicide Squad until he had to bail for whatever reason. Now he's doing this. Like, he keeps getting associated with comic book flicks. So I kind of yeah. get the sense that, like, he would want to do Venom right. Like, you know, I would have to think that he's okay with his face being hidden as long as like it's good performance capture and as long as it's him who's really inhabiting the role you know i, I hope that's the case and that we don't just get a bunch of that topher gray shit where his face is out the whole time yeah i mean that's i mean i, I love venom as a villain i do think that uh it's a bit difficult to try to make him uh anti-hero which is i guess what they're going to try to do with this movie yeah i think sony sony's really capitalizing on the fact that people are excited about Spider-Man again yep. and just trying to do their own thing. And eventually I really worry they're going to just, just try to force Tom Holland to do all of their stuff. by like popping in all their movies yeah, and it's going to damage the credibility of that character because yeah. it's, he's contractually obligated to do so, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Something that sort of baffled me also is like how the reporting on all of this has been handled. Before Amy Pascal said what she had to say, there were all these different reports about how Venom was like definitely not part of the MCU, that Kevin Feige has confirmed that he's not part of the MCU. So I started doing a little research on that just to see for myself, like, did he actually say that? And the thing is, he didn't. To me, it's just like it, it's bad reporting. The the quote that a lot of people took to the bank as if it's confirmation is well, at some point he was asked about Venom. And all he said is, for now, 
There is no plan for Venom in the MCU. It's a Sony project. He prefaces it with for now, as if that there's still going to be the uh, possibility of him being in the MCU. You know what I mean? Yeah. And to me, like I read that quote, and it just seems like, yes, we don't have plans to incorporate him into what we're doing into the larger universe for right now. But that does not mean that he's like, th- that this movie is definitely on an island somewhere totally on its own. You know what I mean? So the reporting for me has been all over the place, and it caused like this frenzy where all these Marvel fans are bugging out because, oh, why is Sony doing this? Why would you make a movie about Venom, but the Spider-Man can't pop in? Like, you know, I feel like people kind of created a situation here. What I think is going to happen is that they're going to make this Venom movie, and it is going to be kind of like a standalone story, but they're not going to make any overt things to say that this is disconnected. They're just not going to address Spider-Man initially. They're not going to address the rest of the greater Marvel world. But you know, but they're going to leave like a back door for all that. Does that make any sense? That does. That does. I actually would prefer it that way, but you yeah. know, I mean, like Fantastic Beast, they're going to try to shoehorn something in and yeah. connect people that are, wouldn't necessarily be fans of this character. I just, I, I wonder if there's even a, a need, like a, a desire for these kind of movies, though, like Black and Silver, oh, Venom, yeah, that like stuff. Sony, yeah, yeah, that's stuff. Even like, no, people actually want to see these movies. I mean, think about the blockbusters that are dropping off right now. Mm-hmm. Everything is bombing. Yeah. So they have an ultra testosterone-driven movie like Venom, where you're gonna have Carnage as the bad guy. I mean, I just don't see many people like besides huge fanboys like you know ourselves. Yeah. That are gonna be interested in seeing that if i'm a general agree i'm not gonna be like excited for venom yeah and this shit that we're hearing now about the you know the black cat and the silver sable and the mysterio movie and the craven movie it seems to me like they're going off the deep end and i'm kind of hoping that maybe they look around them and kind of have like a sobering thought and realize how this sort of stuff is backfiring for other studios you know um, yeah, if you want to do the Spider-Man trilogy, I mean, they can't allow Sony to use Craven because, in my eyes, because Tom Holland's playing Peter so young, I think Craven would be a dope villain to have for the third part of the trilogy. Yeah, because have like you know Peter officially becoming an adult and dealing with mortality, dealing with yeah um, Craven's desire to you know prove that he's the best hunter. And I think that could be with Peter being old and having higher stakes, I think that could be a really intriguing storyline. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. And and in terms of, like, again, talking about the connections between the two, you know, I've been hearing these little murmurs about how, the, like, the uh, Spider-Man Homecoming is going to have several post-credit sequences. And I'm just wondering if, if maybe perhaps one of them is him, like, meeting Eddie Brock and it sort of, you know, sets up the Venom movie in some way. You know, like I, I just I would not be surprised if a lot of the initial connection is handled very nonchalantly in like a little post credit cameo type deal, but doesn't become a main storyline until later on. Do you think there's any possibility of something like that happening? Would you I like mean, that? I mean, that would get me excited for Venom. If Tom Hardy in a post credit scene popped up out of nowhere as Eddie Brock. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. But um, I also wouldn't mind be seeing maybe a, a short mention of Harry Osborn yeah. or, you know, Harry Osborn registering for his high school you know like kind of like a you know a power rangers after credit <laughs> yeah, where yeah, like you yeah, know they yeah, met yeah. tommy but they you know uh, there's a kid named harry that's checking into you know the public school to register i thought that i think that could be a nice that, little that would setup be pretty people. sick yeah like like the, we start hearing rumors like this rich preppy kid is going to come to our school next semester and everyone's sort of pissed off about it um 
Yeah, that would be that would be awesome. Uh, are, are you excited at all though about the carnage situation, or is that too like abstract a concept for now? You think like they're too off the rails with that idea? I'm sorry, can you repeat that again? This kid just lost his money in the street. <laughs> uh, it's all good. No, just in terms of carnage, like, are you excited about that, or is it too like off the wall for you to? I mean, that's the only villain that makes sense besides Spider-Man for a Venom movie. Yeah, I and mean. No other options in a row gallery that would be recognizable to people. Yeah. Besides Carnage. For, for sure. For sure. Um, but then I just worry about the generic villain hero fight. You know, like you're just going to have these two symbiotes fighting each other. I mean, they, you can only do so much with that, you know? Yeah, that's why I'm kind of hoping that, like, they keep the scope of this movie kind of small. They don't go too overblown. Like, if they treat it almost like a horror movie, you know what I mean? Like, they make it like a like kind of like a low-budget um r-rated almost horror movie for venom and that way like the 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 villain fight at the end doesn't have to be this big city destroying battle between these two like alien monsters and make it more like you know like a hunter prey sort of situation between venom and 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 carnage in the in the last act i think that'd be pretty dope you know and and everyone is trying to jump on the r-rated comic book flick now so if they can make like maybe like an 80 million dollar venom movie where the only real effects are the symbiote and that that's about it that's going on and a lot of it is just kind of like a low budget tense horror movie i think that would be pretty sick that would be cool man i mean but we're also talking about sony here and they just don't get because remember sony's the one that forced sam raimi to add venom to spider-man 3 yeah sam raimi was adamant about not having that character in the movie i know they forced it down his throat and that's the iteration they came up with so i'm not 100 percent convinced that even 10 year plus years later that they understand that character. But yeah, I mean, fingers crossed, you know, uh, Tom Hardy's in it. The director, uh, what's the movie with the zombies? It's Ruben Fleischer. Right? Yeah. Ruben Fleischer. Okay. So, I mean, it's got decent talent, but at the same time, we're seeing what's happened to these, um, great young talents that are doing these big blockbuster movies with the studios are doing to them. You know, especially with uh, Disney and Star Wars and stuff. So yeah, they can also replace him now because that pre- that precedent has been set now. Yep, for sure. And before I let you go, I just want to ask for your take on the way Kevin Feige responded to Amy Pascal, like his look on the video. A lot of people have been analyzing his facial expressions, and they kind of thought yeah. he was looking at her like, "Are you fucking crazy?" Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to be more optimistic. I'm trying to be like, I, he definitely had a reaction, but I think it's, you know, I, I want to think of it more as like, he's like, why are you letting the cat out of the bag? You know what I mean? Like maybe you know, like that was supposed to be like a surprise uh, I somewhere. I mean, it, it could be if Tom Hardy does pop Spider-Man homecoming post credit scenes. Yeah. But I almost think one, maybe Marvel had their own idea or their own iteration of Venom that they were going to potentially do. Gotcha. So they didn't want that connection to be there. Yeah. Or two, now they're beholden to the quality of Sony films. And everything yes. was in the same universe. And yeah. Sony's suck and they're still saying, well, we're part of MCEU so they can't, we can't reboot it or we can't get rid of these characters. They have to use the iteration of these characters. Now, now you have a more difficult conversation to have. For sure. Because we don't want to the Tom Hardy get out. For all we know, Tom Hardy could have been meeting with Sony and Sony's like, you do this movie and guess what? You're going to be part of, you know, the Avengers. You could be a villain in that. Like all these things because now they do have this relationship with Marvel and they could technically hold Spider-Man hostage <laughs> over Marvel for a while if they want to. If yeah. they want to be gangster. 
Yeah, they can. Oh, geez. Now, now, now you're making me anxious. I'm trying to be optimistic, Brandon. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a Debbie dad right now. Yeah. Oh, and one last thing, one last question for you, because I know you got a million things going on today. But you're like me. You're not just into these superhero movies, just into comic book flicks. You're into movies in general. So what, you know, what movie right now, not comic book related, are you most looking forward to? I would say Baby Driver. I actually just looked up uh, times right now yeah. to uh, see it on my birthday next Tuesday. So oh, I'm seeing uh, nice. I'm seeing it Tuesday night. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like really excited for that movie. I love Edgar Wright, yep. and uh, I, I've heard nothing but great things about this movie. Dude, it's got a perfect 100% on Rotten Tomatoes right now with like a whole ass load of reviews in. So it's supposedly amazing. But all right, so you showed up for my birthday. Maybe I'll pop up on Medium Popcorn for your birthday. But regardless, yeah, yeah, regardless, thank you so much for taking the time. Happy early birthday, fellow cancer baby. And uh, (laughs) thanks for taking the time, brother. Have a good day. Thanks a lot, Mario. You too. Take care. All right, and now I am joined by Bill Jet Ramey from Batman on Film. This is like an honor for me. That site is awesome. I've been reading it for years, and now I've got Bill on my show for my birthday. Well, happy birthday, sir. <laughs> Thank you very much for taking the time. I know you're on vacation, and maybe talking DC and Justice League and all this crap is probably the last thing you want to do on a day off. Oh, oh never! I can I can talk DC and Batman any day. So let's <laughs> let's 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 let it roll, man. Let's let it roll. Um, so I was like, where to begin? Okay, so uh, Warner Brothers has got Toby Emmerich now sort of calling the mm-hmm. shots, right? And mm-hmm. he's been mm-hmm. kind of you know, releasing these comments lately that make it seem like he kind of wants to make almost like a clean break from where the DCEU was and kind of push things into more of like a fan-friendly sort of direction. Uh, mm-hmm. do, you know, do you think he's, you know, he, he's going to have what it takes to kind of help write the ship? Do you think anyone can write the ship after those first few movies? Well, I think they're on their way. Um, Wonder Woman was a good start, which ironically, it was made under the old regime, even yeah. before, um, you know, before they, they made all the changes after Batman v Superman came out. So I was a little worried because of that. But, you know, it was a fantastic movie. I loved it. I think it's the best DCEU film to date. It's the best film to me since, you know, since the uh, the Nolan films for DC in general. But um They've made a lot of changes with Justice League, uh, I'm sure you know. I mean, even starting before they started filming, during filming, and that's a whole story in itself. But, oh, yeah. Uh, um, I think to get folks like James Wan on board to do Aquaman, to get uh, Matt Reeves to do the Batman, and whoever else you know comes on. I know we've got Joss Whedon. Who there's another, there's another story right oh, there. Oh, that's a Josh whole other Whedon, story. <laughs> but, but you know, uh, he was first announced. He he was coming on to do Batgirl, and uh, you've got Chris McKay who did the Lego Batman movie is working on Nightwing, and uh, David Ayer is back, kind of getting a um, a second chance with Gotham City Sirens. So, and we'll see what happens with that. But I think that they're making a um, I call it the DCEU 2.0. They're making yeah. there there's there's going to be big changes. And, and there should be, frankly, um, after Justice League. I think I think there's almost a little bit of. Let me say this. I think, and I'm not bashing Warner Brothers. I think, and I've actually I'm I'm applauding them. I think they're doing everything possible to make Justice League 
a success or at least good and not have the, the same fallout as they had with uh, Batman v Superman uh, yeah. primarily. So it, it, I know a lot of people um, say that I'm, I'm bashing Warner Brothers, but really I'm, I'm, I've been what I've written has been positive. I absolutely. I, yep. I, I, yeah, I, I think they're doing everything they can to make sure Justice League is at least good. And then they're going to move on past that and, and move on to some, you know, focus on solo films and, and so forth. And not, you know, the biggest problem was they tried to get to Justice League as soon as they possibly could um, after Man of Steel. And it, it came back and I think, you know, frankly, it bit them in the ass, you know, and I think they're 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 having to readjust. And, you know, that's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, honestly, after Wonder Woman, I am pretty damn optimistic, you know, yes. and, and yeah. one of the things that, you know, because you, you brought up how it's sort of almost ironic that was made under the old regime and it's yes. turned out great. But I think there's a reason for that, because, you know, by mm-hmm. all accounts, that was sort of Jeff Johns's baby. You know, mm-hmm. even though he wasn't yeah. really in charge yet, you know, he he was hands on with that script. All the yeah. producers have said that he would, you know, that movie, he's the one who sort of oversaw it. You know, mm-hmm. it seems like early on in the DCEU, they almost kind of like broke it down. So like Zack Snyder was handling the stuff involving Superman and Batman and the Justice League build. But Jeff, Jans, Jeff Johns was sort of handed Wonder Woman as his like pet project, you know, and then he ended up becoming the guy who's, you know, president and chief creative officer. So I think Wonder Woman is the clearest indication of what his vision for the DCEU is. And yes. now that he's in charge, I have a feeling we're going to see a lot, a lot more of that Wonder Woman type of feel. Much, you know, more light, more optimistic, more adventurous, less of that sort of dark, dour, contemplative deconstruction that Zack Snyder mm-hmm. was going for. So mm-hmm. I really think there is a lot to be uh, optimistic about. Uh, it's also Absolutely. interesting to too, like to kind of see how like Berg, you know, John Berg and Jeff Johns mm-hmm. have been like, kind of publicly sort of calling out the fact that the other movies weren't working, which is kind of yeah. like a change from what they were doing last year where they were trying to act like everything is fine and you know, whatever, fine, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then if you look yes. like in Variety, there was talk about this where, um, you know, John Berg said that, you know, we could do better. You know, Batman v Superman was tonally dark. People didn't respond to that. He said about mm-hmm. Suicide Squad that like, you know, the story fell down was on narrative and plot. You know, they're kind of basically saying like, yeah, listen, we know those older movies didn't work and now we're pushing off in a new lighter more exciting direction so yeah yeah I mean, i'm all for it go let's go i am and i'm I, i'm with you i after wonder woman i'm the most optimistic i've been in years you know really i mean i, I was very excited for bbs but then i saw it <laughs> and then yeah, you know yeah. and, and 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 i have and i you know i liked suicide squad a little bit yeah it's not a movie that to me I saw it three times and it got worse each time. So uh, I just stopped watching it, yeah. you know, and cause I didn't want to like get to hating it, but yep. yeah, I mean, they, they've, they've, they're doing what they can and I, I do congratulate and I support and applaud them for doing whatever, whatever they can because, you know, I, I grew up at, you know, I was a Batman fan, but I was a, you know, because of Batman, I was a DC kid and a DC guy. So yeah. I want these films to be to be good and I want them to be successful. Yeah. And just as you're a Batman guy and you gave Suicide mm-hmm. Squad three chances because it's sort of set in that Batman world and all that. Yeah. You know, I'm a Superman guy and I actually did the same yeah. exact thing with Man of Steel. 
I saw it three times and I liked mm-hmm. it less each time. Mm-hmm. Uh, like my take was like, you know, the, the first time I was just, just a little too hopped up on like, you know, watching things through that fanboy tint of like, it's a new Superman movie and this is going to yeah. be great. But like, it, you know, it kind of left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth, but overall positive. Then the second time I started really seeing the flaws. And by the third time, all I could see were the flaws. Yeah, and you just yeah you got to shut you got to shut it down you know and just say okay I'm gonna shut it down because I'm gonna get to the point I hate it and I I get what you're saying exactly yeah and it's such a shame too because I feel like there's a lot in that movie that really works you know I really feel like I love the first hour and a half of that flick right around Mm -hmm. that when that third act begins and like the the battle at Smallville leading into the battle in Metropolis that's where Mm -hmm. it loses me and interestingly enough it's exactly at the point where Zack Snyder more or less takes over the movie. Because if you think yes. about it, you know, the first hour and a half are all, they stick to the script. They stick to the script mm-hmm. written by Nolan and co-written by yeah. Goyer and all that sort of stuff. And they, uh, while they're on the script, the movie is strong. <laughs> as soon as it becomes the action sequence where it's stuff that might have been just like a paragraph's worth of stage direction, you know, the, a screen direction mm-hmm. that Zack Snyder then turned into 45 minutes of explosions. Right up yes. until that point, it's very strong. The character development's going in the right direction. I kind of like the story and the way they were sort of like approaching it from a real world scenario. How would people really react to a flying alien mm-hmm. suddenly showing up? And, you know, a lot of it was really good. As soon as it becomes Snyder's like rock'em, sock'em robots there at the end, that's where the whole thing falls apart. And it's such a shame. It really is. Yeah, I, um, I agree with that. The third act on Man of Steel is its weakest. I probably like it a little bit better than you do. I, yeah. I, it's, you know, you made a good point. It's very... It's very Nolan for two thirds of that film. You, mm-hmm. you can see that you can see how he is. You know, he produced the film. He he wrote the story treatment and so forth. But um, yeah, the the last part, the big the battle stuff, it just went on way, 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 yeah. way too long. And and that's what ends up um, knocking it down several notches, depending on your taste. But yeah, I agree with you totally, man. Yeah, way too long. But anyway, so now Snyder's not really going to be involved moving further. Do you think he's going to come back at all after this leave of absence? Um, I don't think so. I think this is, I think this is probably it yeah. for him. Um, and you know, I'm trying to, you know, it's, it's, this is difficult to talk about because of his personal tragedy of course, of and, and, you know, and, and you don't want to come off being sounding like a douche or unsympathetic yeah. to, to, uh, to the situation. But I think they were going that direction anyway, way, be- way before the, any of that happened, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't, you know, the statement was like, we, we would like, you know, Zach to come back and work with Warner brothers, but yeah, didn't say, didn't say much about DC, uh, in general, but I think, it, yeah, you got to move away from that. Yep. Um, you know, cause he was driving, he was driving the ship for oh yeah long, you know, for a good couple two or three years there. And it was, you know, even with justice league, it's going to be uh, a good chunk of it is, is what, he did so. You know, well, you we'll know what's you know what's going to be very telling, and what's going to more or less confirm whether or not this was always the plan, basically getting rid of him. Mm-hmm. What's going to be telling is whether or not he comes back for Justice League Two, because he was lined yes. up to do Justice League Two. So mm-hmm. you know that's going to basically be what lets us know if this was all just sort of like you know. Uh, them just trying to, I mean, I, I don't want to, again, like you said, it's hard to talk about this cause he did have yes. a personal tragedy. 
But, you know, it, it, it's going to basically just, it, it's going to make it crystal clear. If he doesn't come back for Justice League 2, if he's done with DC, then this it's going to be abundantly clear that they wanted him out anyway. And, the, you know, the, the chips sort of just fell the way they did. And it, it is what it is, you know. Yeah, but, I agree. Yeah. yeah so that, 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 that'll be the ultimate thing. It, and, then that's, and, and conversely, if he does come back for Justice League 2, then we know it wasn't just the way they were trying to phrase it. He really did just need a few months off to deal with his thing, but now he's back at work. Mm-hmm. So that's going to really be very, very telling. So I'm, I'm keeping a close eye on that. Um, mm-hmm. And what are you hearing about like the amount of work that's going into these reshoots? Because there are some recent comments, aside from the stuff that you and I have been talking about on our, on our mm-hmm. respective sites. You know, John Schnepp was recently talking about this stuff. And, you know, he, he's made documentaries about the chaos over at Warner Brothers making movies. Did you ever mm-hmm. see his movie about uh, yes, Superman yes. Lives? What happened to yes, Superman Lives? Yes, it's, yeah. it's fantastic. Oh, it yes. really, really is. And I, that's why yes. I feel like I tend to really trust him. And he seems to, you know, he has his ear to the ground there just like we do Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. perhaps maybe even a little closer definitely closer than i do and he he said recently that the movie like they they basically threw out the original script along the way and that the Mm -hmm. whole movie's been getting redone and reshot pretty much on the fly on the go and he's basically just confirmed what we know what we've been saying but for me Mm -hmm. i guess the interesting part was like i never heard it said exactly that way that basically the original script is pretty it got tossed it's just gone mm-hmm. have, have you yes. heard that that like that script was basically it's you know the one that terrio wrote with i believe snyder yeah. is just gone I'll, I'll i'll put it this way they started making changes to that script as soon as batman v superman hit theaters and i think even probably before because let, let me tell you when i went to the junket for bbs yeah i knew that I knew something was up with that movie because um, I had to sign a non-disclosure agreement before mm. I saw it, yeah. which I had never had before. And that's, you know, never. Um, as, as anal as Chris Nolan was with his making the Batman, uh, his Batman films, the Dark Knight trilogy, I never had to do that. I had brought my wife with me. She'd always went to the the screenings, the press screenings with me. Couldn't bring a guest. There was no plus ones. Wow. I knew some. I, I knew something was up yeah. with, with that. And then you had to hold on. I think I had to hold on my review until the Wednesday before it was released. Yep, never a good sign. Yeah, yeah. And that was and I that was like okay, something is up. And then you know after I saw it, I knew what was up. I knew they. I think they knew they had a problem. And yeah. there was there was some rumblings of that before. You know, I think um, Drew McWeeny had said something while he was at HitFix yeah. that um, that that there were some issues. They were worried about BBS. And, of course, you know, the, the DCEU apologist, fanboys, whatever, you know, you want to call that group. Uh, you and I are both uh, familiar with, <laughs> with oh, them yeah. <laughs> quite a bit. Um, you know, called BS on it. And, and uh, you know, and there was a little bit of – Frankly, there was a little bit of me in there that didn't want to believe it because I wanted the film to be good. But as soon as I saw that movie, I said, that dude was right, man. He yeah. was spot on right. And I think that the changes started then. Um, I would say that the, the film, you, you kind of phrased it correctly, that they were, the, the changes were made while they were shooting. And so, yes, I think once you, once you get down to the end – I'm, I would say that that script probably is not anything like 
what they will end up shooting will be nothing like what they intended to shoot. Yeah. How does that sound before, before they started filming last, last year, last spring. So yes, I agree. It's a long way to say that. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> so basically, yeah, yeah th- th- this is just not going to resemble at all. Whatever plan a was for the justice. Yes. League, this isn't going to look anything like that. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, this whole, um, you know, the, the reshoots or reshoots, the additional photography, whatever what's taking, whatever's taking place right now over outside of London and over in the UK, it, it's a lot. It's quite a bit, you know, it's, it's, it's a big chunk of the film. I'm not saying it's half the film or anything like that, but when you're doing two months and you possibly easing into three months of, of additional photography yeah. with a new direct, with a ne- different director, that's significant, you know, that's yeah. very significant. And, you know, and it's funny when you mentioned like the whole other director thing, like part of McWeeny's report back in the day, whenever that was a year and a half ago now or whatever. Yeah. Um, was that, you know, Snyder might get replaced on Justice League. And I think a lot of us, you know, he, like he quote unquote got debunked on that. I think I even wrote something like, like you said, I was trying to be like not necessarily optimistic, but I was like, you know, that can't be. I feel like we would have heard something yeah. about that by now, whatever. Yes. But you know what? Yeah. It sounds like they pretty much did do that. Like somewhere along the way, he, you know, he's been replaced by Joss Whedon. You yes. know, and, and I think we kind of have to give credit where it's due when it comes to that initial report. It just you know, the the logistics of that are so it's so haphazard the way they did it. You know, it's like mm-hmm. yeah, they they mm-hmm. rushed into production basically knowing that they were going to neuter Snyder's vision. You know, it's yes. like, it's unbelievable yes. that, that a studio of Warner Brothers, you know, caliber and with all the, all that money, all that resources, all that, you know, legacy that they have for them to rush into production on Justice League instead of saying, you know what, let's put this on hold for six months. Let's get our affairs in order and then start filming. It sounds like so much of this has been like on the fly. And that's just unbelievable mm-hmm. to me for a movie of, of, of this size. I think um, that there's probably a little bit of um, how you want to say it. Um, they don't want to take the PR hit if they had pushed back production and changed yeah. the release date. You know, in the beginning, yeah. um, that's probably part of it, especially after the fallout with BBS. So, yeah, you know, I, I, in hindsight, they, they probably might have done things different because obviously they're doing things different right now. Yeah. And actually, I'm glad you mentioned release date. I'm going to add someone to this call who I think you know. And yes. I want us to sort of talk about the possibility of, of this not hitting its release date. We've now got Kelvin Chavez from the Splash Report, formerly of Latino Review. He is the founder of Latino Review now and always. But formerly of Latino Review, now the editor-in-chief of Splash Report. He's now on the call with me and Bill from Batman on Film. How you doing, Kel? Good, man. How you doing? First, first, first. Happy birthday, my brother. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very, very much. Do you know how old I am? Uh, over 21. <laughs> yes. Oh, I, yeah, unfortunately. Yes, I'm 34 years young now, and I'm going to be doing a lot of drinking later. But anyway, okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, listen, anytime I talk DC, I want to do some heavy drinking, so today is just an excuse. Uh, so <laughs> me and Bill were just discussing the whole mess of the reshoots with Justice League and how they've handled everything. And where we're at right now is I kind of want to talk a little bit about whether or not we think this movie can still come out in November with all this work that's being done. So, Kel, since you just joined us, I'll ask you first. Do you think there's any chance this thing gets delayed? There's a possibility. Anything's possible. But, you know, 
I just see it as if Rogue One did it, why not them? I mean, but, but, but like the Rogue One thing, they started earlier in the year. You know, like Rogue One was coming out in December, and I believe they did a lot of their reshoots in like March or April of, of, of last year. This is going to be cutting it pretty damn close. Like they, they might not wrap this additional photography until almost August at this point. So they're only going to have like, what, uh, two and a half months to get it ready? What do you think, Bill? I, I think they want to release it in November. I think they're going to do everything they can to make that happen. They don't want to push this back because we just talked about, I think yeah. they, it would be a, it would look, it would have a bad look. Even if though, even though if it would make the, you know, it would help the film in the long run. <laughs> I think they don't want to do that for that reason, because there's been enough, you know, nonsense and, and negativity surrounded anyway. But I mean, they've only got Aquaman slated for release next year. And that's not until November. So I would not be shocked if they slid that thing in it, like in March or, or April, something like that. Well, they actually so, moved, I know, yeah, they moved Aquaman even later. They, it's not even November yeah, it's, anymore. Is now it December it's, now? It's December now. Yeah, that's, that's that's right. It is December. So yeah. they have all of 2018 to release Justice League. You know, they can make it a summer release, which might be smarter for them. Um, yes, sir. Yeah, if you ask me, like. I don't care about the PR hit. Granted, I'm a little biased. I just want a great movie, and I'm going to see it yeah. no matter when they release it. But I think the, you know, the, the priority needs to be let's make this shit amazing. Let's make this an all-time classic. Let's make this a movie that makes $2 billion and has everyone talking about mm-hmm. it and loving it. You know, So yeah. if I'm them, I, I say I, I take the hit, and we're, you know, let's release this thing in like June of next year or July or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree with you because, um, the, you know, there could be, a, you know, there would be some backlash or, you know, a little negativity towards moving it back. But if, if it makes the film better and the film is good, yeah. then it's going to it's, it's going to do well anyway. So it, it, that will all be forgotten. You know, uh, yeah. no one will wor- no one will worry about the pushback or how they got there. They, it'll just be the fact that. Yeah, this is a good movie, so that's all that matters. Yeah, like as it stands, fans have a very sh- like short attention span when it comes to that stuff. They always forget that things get delayed. They, as long as the the finished product is good, you don't even remember that stuff. You know, like Star Wars got delayed. You know, when Force Awakens was originally slated, it was supposed to come out in like the, the spring of 2015, and then it came out in December. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can go down a list of several of these major major tentpole blockbuster movies that have been delayed by six. months months at a time or a year at a time but no one talks mm-hmm. about any of that production hell quote unquote because the final product was good even batman v superman got delayed if you guys recall like they, they had to, they, yes. they had they had to shift the release date you know the, there's been all kinds of tweaks but as long as the finished product is good i mean that's not the case of batman v superman the finished product sucks mm-hmm. but you know <laughs> um you know, people don't tend to talk about those delays you know once the finished product actually actually comes out um, Absolutely. Now, Kel, I know that you used to have a lot of very strong opinions about the fact that when Rogue One arrived in theaters, it looked close to nothing like the initial trailers because so much of it had been reshot. So let's let, let's think about that with Justice League. We've already seen a couple of trailers for Justice League. There was the Comic Con one that they released last year. Then there was the one that came out a couple months ago with that hard rock version of Come Together on it. Do you think that this movie is going to have any of that anymore? <laughs> Any of the footage that we've seen so far? I hope they keep the Comic-Con part, that whole Flash connection that he had with Bruce Wayne. Oh, yeah, that scene, how they meet, yeah. That whole scene, 
I don't know about the other stuff, like that whole Aquaman jumping out of the, the Batmobile. Batmobile. <laughs> that looked kind of corny. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if that's not shown or anything like that. Yeah, like, do you think it's going to resemble that? Like, I feel like they're going to change everything. They're going to color correct it because even like the the uh, the last Justice League trailer was all grays and black. You know, it was that sort mm-hmm. of like washed out Zack Snyder look. Like, I feel like they're going to. It's it's not going to look anything like that. What do you think, Bill? And, and I also hold on. I also think that they'll keep the whole Commissioner Gordon stuff. Yeah, they'll probably keep that. Yeah. What do you think, Bill? Is it is it going to like visually, tonally? you know, resemble that last trailer? Or do you think all that stuff is now on the cutting room floor? I think it's going to look a lot different than what we saw with that last trailer. I do. Yeah. I think that I'm almost uh, willing to guarantee it. I'm I'm at that point. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and and since I brought up the color correcting stuff, like, you know, I finally had a chance to watch Wonder Woman for a second time. And this time around, you know, I was able to kind of like look at more like little nuanced things, uh, you know, because I'd already seen it. And I feel like they definitely tweaked the colors on her main costume, like in post, because I swear there are a couple of shots in that movie where it looks like that more sort of like sepia bronzed out version that Zack Snyder debuted and that she mainly wore in Batman v Superman. Whereas in other shots, it's very like Mm -hmm. it's a bold red, blue and yellow. So I just think, you know, the, the color correction, like if, for anyone who goes and sees Wonder Woman an additional time, pay attention to that costume because I swear the colors in, in certain times don't even match. Um, oh, probably so. You could tell that they she, she looked much more red, uh, red, blue and gold, like you said. So, yeah, that's quite possible. Yeah, like it's such like a, a top to bottom from the ground up reboot they're doing with the DCEU. Like everything is getting looked at again. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And what do you guys think about the fact that like the DCEU is basically Batman and Friends now? I feel like, Bill, you probably like that. Well, <laughs> I, you know, look, it, there's, there's two sides of that pancake. I also don't want Batman to be running to the ground. You know, there was a it was always, it's very it's fun to have to wait three years, you know, or even four years like we waited between Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises before another Batman. The anticipation is part of the fun. And yeah. if you're just churning out Batman movies, you know, if every year, you know, it, it could feel like with all these movies they've announced, which I don't believe all of them will get made. But that's a different story altogether. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, yeah, it's cool to see more Batman just for the Batman fan and me and and with other fans. But there's also a bit a little bit, you know, let's not run this. You know, we don't want to run into the ditch. You know, this is or kill the kill the. The goose that legs laid the golden egg, so to speak. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. Like, I feel like we're already almost getting a little bit of Batman fatigue, because mm-hmm. like I like I, for me it was a recurring story. I, I tend to track box office figures every week on my on, on the show here, and when I was tracking what was going on with Lego Batman. I was sort of surprised that like it actually got outgrossed by the other Lego movie, you know, the one that was just the Lego mm-hmm. movie, because like you yeah, would yeah. think, you know, it would be building on the Lego movie's audience and catering to Batman fans, and Batman was the biggest thing in Hollywood for a long time. You think it would have surpassed the Lego movie, mm-hmm. and it actually fell short of that. And I just wonder if that's part of a a general thing now, where people are starting to kind of pull back a little bit on 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 the, on the Batman fandom. Do you think there's anything to that? Um, like I said, I mean, you can have 
too much of a good thing, you know? Um, so uh, yeah, that's a good point, especially with the Lego Batman movie, which I loved, you know, it, that's, you know, I love that movie, Yeah. but you know, um, God, you can, it, it's almost like they want to, you know, they just want to hang their hook on Batman and everything, you know, Gotham city sirens. I mean, I mean, for Christ's sake, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, suicide squad was a Batman universe, yeah, film, absolutely. you know, period. So, and you know, Nightwing and Batgirl and all this stuff. So, you know, let's get some anticipation for Batman. Let us, let us, you know, miss him a little bit. So to yeah, speak. right now they're just blowing their load on Batman. Yeah. And, and let me ask too, cause like something that I've been tracking for a while and I don't know if you've heard anything, but you know, there's still this growing sense that, you know, we've got, you know, they've only got Ben Affleck on a rental and the rental's going to be yes. running out soon. You know, he maybe has only got one more of these movies left in him. Um, how do you think they're going to handle when he leaves? Do you think they're going to recast Bruce Wayne? Do you think they're going to introduce a story element now where different people can inherit the cowl? So now, like, maybe Dick Grayson becomes Batman. And first of all, we have to meet mm-hmm. Dick Grayson in the Nightwing movie. Like, you know, do you think they're going to recast Bruce or do you think they're going to introduce, like, a passing on of the cowl concept? Uh, well, they they do have a built-in fix. They 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 can always do... Batman movies set before uh, Man of Steel and mm-hmm. Batman v Superman, where you could have, you know, this Batman has existed for twenty plus years. Yeah. In this in this universe, uh, you could always do prequels. You could tell, you know, there's a dead Robin. We that, there's that story to be told. So I think they would end up, regardless of what they do. The, I think it'll always be Bruce Wayne as Batman. I think that's that's just part of the especially with the mainstream, you know, that's part of the selling point. I think they would just simply recast, but yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see. It's going to be interesting as to what, what he does. Um, because I'm not, you know, from what I've heard, uh, it's not guaranteed. It's not written in stone, you know, uh, that he's going to return for the Batman. Um, I think he'll, I think he'll do it ultimately. That would be my guess. Yeah. But I can't, I could, I can't say that with a hundred percent, assurance that he will what do you think kelvin do you think they're gonna bring back like you think they're gonna recast bruce or do you think they're gonna like basically have someone else be batman another character be batman uh well i agree with bill about the whole he he, they'll they'll leave him as bruce i guess you know but bruce will always be batman yeah i mean i don't know about you bill but i heard this a while back like they wanted even before they announced the Batman. I think the whole idea was to have the Batman pass the baton to a young kid, and it was like mm-hmm. something like a Batman Beyond type of thing. Mm-hmm. That's how the that's how the Batman was going to end. Now, obviously, with Matt Reeves coming aboard, all that shit flew out the window. Mm-hmm. Who knows how they're gonna pass the baton or or let Ben Affleck just remain as Bruce? Yeah, that's I would imagine there. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to I'll just say, I, I imagine every possible option is being looked at, you know, yeah. whether it's do a Batman Beyond or, I mean, whatever you do. So, yeah, um, it'll, it'll be interesting. Well, based on those initial reports about Ben <laughs> Affleck's casting and, and what the initial deal looked like, you know, it mm-hmm. looks like it was always part like w- w- he agreed to do it because they promised him that he would be transitioned out of the role after a while. You know, and, and okay. supposedly it was the Batman Beyond thing. You know, they were going to try to explore that angle of you know, some, you know, a younger person taking on the role and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then, and then that way he only has to show up for like a cameo here and there as like old man Wayne, you know? Yeah. So I think that was the original plan. But then again, so much has changed since then. So, you know, who knows? Um, 
But, you know, while we have this version of Batman, while we have Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne wearing the cowl, and he was, you know, arguably the most popular, most well-liked thing about Batman v Superman, uh, do you guys think that we have to strike while the iron is hot and get him and Jared Leto's Joker in a movie together before he leaves the role? Or are you so burnt out by Jared Leto's Joker, you, like, you, 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 you have no appetite for that? <laughs> Oh, go ahead, Kelvin. I got to thank you. I mean, <laughs> yeah, when you said that whole Jared Leto Joker, I mean, I, I wasn't that much of a fan of yeah. his portrayal of the Joker. So for me, like, I, I, I don't want to see. So like that, that's not on your like dream list. Like, that's not on my list. If no. it never happens, you're like, yeah, whatever. It's fine. Yeah, whatever. I already know how he's going to act as the Joker. I've seen it on Suicide Squad. I thought yeah. he was like a, a gangster Joker. Yeah. You know, so that's not the joke that I I guess I grew up with, but I guess you have, you know, the times are changing and so on and so on. But, you know, I wouldn't it's not like I'm going to rush to see it just because of the Joker. Yeah, for me, it's more so about how it how it seems on paper, because I'm with you. I have no real internal desire to see Ben Affleck's Batman versus Jared Leto's Joker. But then the idea you know crosses my mind of like, you know, right now this is technically the beginning of a new DC, right? Everything from Man of Steel on is new. So these are right now the mantle holders. You know, we, this is Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne. We have Jared Leto's mm-hmm. Joker. Shouldn't we, on paper, it seems like you kind of have to have them lock up before they leave the roles, don't you? Know, they, I just feel like on paper, that, that, that's sort of how it should stack up. So I wonder if just well, like, yeah. you know what I mean? I just wonder like, it, w- w- would fans feel gypped if that never happens? So mm, I think yeah, they'll so. feel jip. I think they'll feel jip. But at the same time, you have like what you were saying, you have to sort of show the whole past relationship that he had with Batman because of that tease that he gave you in Batman versus Superman with yeah. uh, the Robin uh, yeah. costume. Hanging out. So you want to see what happened. Yes, yeah, so, because they have no. already sort of dropped hints and, and teases yeah. about that past. So th- that's kind of my thing, too. Like, you know, our, our, you know, if we don't get to see that past or if we see it with some young guy who's not Ben Affleck playing Bruce Wayne, like, is it going to be the same? So, Bill, mm-hmm. you're up. What, you know, what is your take? Uh, you know, I didn't have that big of a problem with Jared Leto's Joker as, yeah. as some folks did. Um, I, I, I even didn't mind the aesthetic. Yeah, uh, kind of. I kind of appreciated them doing something a little bit different, but um, I'm not clamoring for another Batman versus Joker film. We've had two. Yeah, um, and one is like an all time classic, Dark Knight. Yeah, and but I mean, it, I think it'd be hard. One, it would be. I think it would be hard for Warner Brothers not to do that with when they have Leto and they have Affleck. Yeah, to do that and. Uh, you know, hey, if it's good, I, I love me some Batman Joker movies and stories. So I, I would I would not be you know, like going, oh, not again. I'd be, OK, fine. Let's bring it on. Let's see what, you know, Matt Reeves or whoever can do with it. Let's go. It's funny how like it's not black and white, right? Like I can go both ways on this. Yes. You know? Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, and you would think like, you know, initially if, if the DCEU was going great. 
it's a no-brainer. Of course I want to see Batman and Joker at some point. But now with the mm-hmm. way things are and with the fact that like Ben Affleck is not going to be sticking around much longer and even Jared Leto practically seemed to be taunting Warner Brothers to fire him last year, if you recall yeah. some of the stuff he was yeah. saying when Suicide Squad came out and he was breaking his contract by rock climbing and mocking Warner Brothers for it. Like everything has become so tumultuous. <laughs> now yeah. it seems like, you know, n- n- now like there, there's an urgency because these guys are not going to be around much longer so you know he does that he he did all that stuff but he also continues to tease the joker on his social media accounts you know so i i think i think he wants a a crack at a a damn good story with that with the joker you know and um because they cut a hell of a lot of what he did out of suicide squad that was why that was part of yeah, yeah yeah absolutely um now, let me ask you guys, I, I want to circle back to Justice League a little bit now while I have the, the two of you here. Uh, in terms of the amount that's being reshot, I feel like one or two of you has the answer in terms of like the number of pages being shot. And you tend to know that in the screenwriting world, each page is about a minute of screen time. How many pages do we think are being reshot here? Uh, <laughs> um. 20-ish. 20-ish? 20-ish or so. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know if I want to say anything <laughs> other than that. Oh, I, right I, I know I'm putting you on the spot. I just, yeah, yeah, I feel like one of you guys knows, you know, exactly how Tell him, Bill. Tell him, Bill. <laughs> yeah. But listen, if, if, if that's all you want to yeah. say, that's all you want to say, and I respect that. I'll, I, will, I, will sit, I will stand by 20-ish right in, at, at this point. Okay. Guys, yeah. um and also i want to add i want to pick you i know i'm kind of all over the place but this is all dc related and i've got the two of you here so i want to really sink my teeth into this possible this opportunity i've been given um you know they were recently talking you know toby emmerich was saying that they they were interested in in exploring the r-rated movie for Mm. dc uh how would you feel bill like i know how i feel about it my listeners know how i feel about it how would you feel about an r-rated batman movie Mm. oh r-rated batman movie yeah um golly you know i've 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 debated with folks about this for years you know i don't think you have to to be r-rated to get the grittiness and the violence that comes with Batman, mm-hmm. I think you would. I think you would be doing it just to, just to do it, just to say it's R-rated. Yeah. Um, and so I'm personally, I would not be in favor of that. I mean, look, the the flipping Dark Knight was pretty damn violent. Oh and yeah, h- hardcore. You know, and it, you had, um, and you didn't have to go to, to, uh, to do what you have to do to get an R. I mean, so I'm thinking, what are you going to do? You're going to throw out a bunch of F-bombs and, you, just, you know, amp up the blood and maybe have Batman, you know, walking around. Well, he always was naked in, naked in uh, <laughs> Batman v Superman, but whatever, you know, or sex. I, I don't know what you would, you would I, to me, you would just, you would be doing that just for the sake of saying, look here, we're doing an R-rated Batman film. Yeah, like it you would know? be gratuitous. That, 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 yes, it, that's my take. So Yeah, and just so you know, I'm totally with you. Because okay. and, and, right. and it's tough too because like out of many of the mainstream heroes, Batman's story is technically 
the one that like might call for an R rating because you have a lot of you know, you have, he has these very sadistic villains. He was born mm-hmm. in the blood of his parents getting murdered. Like you know his, his story is inherently pretty damn dark and violent. Yeah. So I could understand how like you would think, oh well, an R rated Batman movie, good. You know, the cuffs would be off. But then you know you look at what's been done already, and they've already you know with 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 what Nolan did. And even what with Snyder showed in Batman v Superman, it is very possible to tell an appropriate, good, you know, a, a, a true to the books Batman story without the R rating. So I, I, I'm with you. I really hope okay. that they don't try to just do it as like a gimmick, like, oh, well, Logan was R rated and Deadpool was R rated. So here's R rated Batman. Like, I really yeah. hope to death they don't do that. What, what do you think, Kel? I mean, I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, I already saw Batman the Killing Joke, which was fucking horrible yeah <laughs> that was r-rated um yeah i mean the dark knight was dark you know um and i liked you kind of saw that it could be uh, an r-rated batman film with batman versus superman that whole fighting scene you know uh and i as long as it's a good story i guess you know it's fine if you're gonna throw f-bombs and that's the reason why it's an r-rating then that's fine with me too you know Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Well, that's basically if it's gratuitous. That's, ba- that's, ba- that's basically why sometimes a film gets R-rated because they throw a lot of f bombs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. To me, that that would all just seem very cheap. So when I hear about this R-rated stuff, like yeah, that, that's more so coming from Emmerich, who's like the figurehead at the top now. You know, in terms of Johns and Berg, I don't think they would ever want to make an R-rated movie unless it it, it, it was a subject matter that absolutely had to. You know, or like I, I, I could see like that Lobo movie that they've been teasing. Forever. Yeah, yeah, Lobo, yeah, Lobo, be- yeah. You know, what I mean, like that, that would be a fine one. Do it on one of those lesser characters, but leave my Batman, leave my Superman, leave my Wonder Woman alone, and let's, you know, there's no reason to to dabble with that R rating stuff. And and, and honestly, I, Suicide Squad too, I'd be fine with that being R rated. Yeah. You know, yeah. because of everything they've released so far, Suicide Squad almost sort of begged for it with everything that happened in that movie. So I'd be totally cool with that because, again, that's not about one of these, you know, main heroes. You know, the, the these these are household names. These are lunchboxes and, and idols for children, Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman. It would break my heart if I couldn't bring my little kids to a Batman movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, exactly. you know, yeah. so that's that's my deal. Yeah, let Suicide Squad, let some of the smaller characters get that R rating. But please, Warner Brothers, do not force an R rated Batman movie or any 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 DC movie. Don't make it R rated unless the subject material really, really, really demands it. Um, I'm but, with you. All right. Yeah, good. Definitely. Good. Um so, I mean, I, I feel like I don't want to take up any more of your time. Kelvin, do you have anything that you kind of wanted to bring up while you were on here with us? Uh, like what? <laughs> I don't know. I just, you know, did you have any, like, gossip or bochincha you want to share? Or uh, are, are you working on some stuff that you're going to be publishing well, on the Splash I, there's Report? there's one DC that I can't say anything. I only spoke to you about it off, off the air and, and Bill as well, but... You're working um, on getting your a little more backup on that before yeah. you can share it. The only bochincha that I have, and I can say, fuck it, I'll say it right now, is like that whole deal was, and this is nothing DC related. Okay. The, it has more to do with Star Wars. Okay. The Han Solo stuff. So basically, there's uh, Ron Howard came in, obviously, as you know, to finish the film. But uh, according to one, again, one source that I know, I'm trying to get it, you know, if it's true or not, but 
he's not just doing this film. He's supposed to do another Lucas film. So what Lucas film that is, that's anybody's guess. So you're saying so part of the deal is that, yes, he, he's gonna yeah. be finishing this Lord and Miller movie, but they're promising him that he gets to make another Lucasfilm flick. Correct. But that's again, that's just a, a, a rumor. I mean, that does make a lot more sense now because a lot of people were sort of scratching their heads as why would a guy like Ron Howard agree to just come up and finish someone else's movie? He's you know, he's at this point he's already, you know, he's paid his dues. He doesn't have to come and finish someone else's movie. But if part of if they sweetened the deal by saying, "Yes, if you help us out with Han Solo, you get to make blankety blank." Uh, I guess that would be pretty cool. And now it makes a lot more sense why he would agree to do that. So yeah, bring on, bring on, bring on the Willow sequel. Oh yeah, you know? <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you see Willow, Bill? I did. I, I loved did it Willow. when I Years was ago, six. Yeah. I, yeah, I haven't watched it as an adult. Is it any good? <laughs> I look. I haven't seen it since it was in the theater. What year okay. did it come out? And you know, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm with Bill. I haven't seen yeah. it since then. I think yeah. it was like eight. I, I vaguely remember. Yeah. Yes, I so, know. I liked it. I think when I saw it years ago, but. I have not revisited that movie. <laughs> well, all right. and, and and it's funny because there was there was talks a while back of Willow being a TV TV series or something like that uh, with Netflix, and then that I guess that broke down. And who knows? You know, they can Ron can probably come up with an idea for a sequel. Yeah. All right. Well, look. I think now now we're just sort of just you know, yammering on and on about things. So I'm gonna go ahead and let you guys go. Thank you so. Freaking much for coming on the El Fanboy podcast. Uh, Jet, can you tell us a little bit about your show? Let, let my listeners know where they can find you and what your show is and when it comes out. Yeah, we usually do a podcast pretty much every week. Um, you can find the Batman on Film podcast anywhere. Uh, good podcasts can be found. iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker. I mean, uh I heart music, I heart radio, whatever. So we're everywhere. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Batman on Film and hit me up. We'll we'll have some uh, nice um, uh, discourse over the DCEU. I love you know, I love some of the stuff I get on Twitter. And uh, the one thing, one other point I would make about Justice League is um, Danny Elfman coming on board to do the the new score is is a significant bit of news as well. So. Yes. Uh, it's not it, it's not just something that's oh he's just coming in to make do music. No, the music's part of the film. It's oh, one of the characters of the film and it's it's that's that's uh, that tells you a lot about the changes that are going on with that project. Absolutely. For sure, for sure. And that's why the you know, like the the DC diehards or the the apologists as you put them earlier. Like they're in such deep denial about what's going on with this movie. You know, as soon as yes. as soon as you, you don't bring in the guy who directed the most the biggest superhero movie of all time just to quote unquote oversee a couple of reshoots. You know, and 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 then yeah. that guy doesn't come in and bring on a guy of of the stature of Danny Elfman and dump what the other guy, uh, uh, Tom Hokenborg, Junkie. you know, the Junkie XL's score. Yeah. You don't do any of that stuff unless we're looking at wholesale changes. So, yeah, yes, sir. You know, what? I and, feel and like speaking of, speak, and speaking of, of just uh, fucking, they just keep going, boy. No. <laughs> uh, keep it one thousand. Um, Bill, what do you think about this whole thing about? And then we were discussing this earlier, Mario. The whole directing credit who do you think will get the directing oh man credit? Just, um 
because they're making a big deal with Ron Howard getting that directing credit for Han Solo instead of Chris and Phil. Okay. And yet, isn't it the same situation or almost it's, the same situation? It's damn near. Yeah, it's damn near. Um, well, yeah, hang on. You know what? Hey, b- before you get into this, Bill, if, we're, if we are going to continue, yeah. are you good continuing? Yeah, I can go another 10 minutes or so. All yeah. right, so you know what? Because there's someone else who's going to come on as part of my birthday podcast here, and he, I, he can definitely chime in on this too. So let me bring him on, and then it'll be all four of us, and everyone, everyone, ah. my listeners' ears are all good. There's just going to, it's going to be an orgy of amazing. It's going to be bleeding. Yes. So yeah, let me add this other fella to the call, and then we could all talk about this together. All right. So I've gone ahead and added the fourth member of this fanboy orgy that's taking place today. Uh, this is none other than Dave Gonzalez, former columnist for Latino Review. He writes for Splash Report once in a while. He's on his own podcast, Storm of Spoilers, and he's got that other one that's amazing. I'm going to let him to kind of you know plug himself in a little bit. And he also works for MTV. So Dave, the marvelous one himself, is here. How you doing, Dave? Hey, doing good. How about you guys? Really good. Well, yeah, I should awesome. tell you who yeah. else is on, so that you know. That'd be great. I've yeah. got yeah, I've got Kelvin here from. <laughs> Yo, uh, Dave. You, hey, you know, man, Kelvin. how's it going? And, <laughs> and I've got Mr. Bill Jet Ramey from Batman on Film here as well. Hello, Hello Jet. Hello. How are you, sir? Doing good. It's good awesome. to e talk to you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I, I've like lined up my own Justice League, my own little Avengers here for uh, for my for the birthday edition of my podcast. Uh, so, Dave, we were just kind of you know we, we started on DC and it's just sort of evolved into just a general discussion on everything that's going on right now. So, what we were up to <laughs> is all these different director shakeups that have been going on lately, and you know who gets credit for what. You know, last year we had Tony Gilroy basically coming in to reshape shoot half of Rogue One and it's still credited as a Gareth Edwards movie. Now we got Joss Whedon coming on to do significant reshoots for Justice League and I wonder if, you know, how are they going to credit that? Is it still going to be a quote-unquote Zack Snyder movie? And then there's this thing with with uh, with the Han Solo flick now where they're not saying that that Ron Howard is just coming in to oversee a few scenes. They're saying he's basically, he is the director now, as if he's going to be the one who gets the credit for it almost. So it's kind of weird how all this stuff works out with the credits and whatnot. Um, you know, what do you? Oh yeah, th- we're gonna. Well, we're all gonna learn how the DGA works over the next couple of months. Uh, basically, the Directors Guild of America, unlike the Writers Guild of America, doesn't have a process for open arbitration. So if you are to like write a screenplay and then three other guys come in and rewrite your screenplay and then you see the movie and you feel like you had a large percentage amount of the dialogue, you get to go and arbitrate for your credit on that movie and a panel of WGA members gets to decide if you contributed a significant percentage of that movie to get credits, to get uh, all your back pay, all that sort of thing. Uh, The DGA doesn't do that. The DGA just straight up rules. The DGA does not like having two directors on a film to begin with. You have to get a waiver for that. So Lord and Miller already had presumably a waiver to be co-credited on the Han Solo movie. I can't imagine them doing a three director card. That just seems like the DGA admitting that directors don't have any power in the studio system. (laughs) And so I think they're going to be very resistant to that. So it's going to be interesting to see who ends up getting the director credit. And even more than that, how the residuals get distributed, considering they made it 80% 80% of the way through the first physical production period. Uh, it seems like uh, all three names should be on it and all three people should get the money. But again, it's 
a huge power play situation where basically this is Disney. They Gareth Edwards played nice, but Lord and Miller made enough of a scuffle going down that now everybody looks at Star Wars as a producer driven franchise, which I, I mean, most of these are. That's why we're allowed to blame Zack Snyder for early DC movies and why people keep saying that. Kevin Feige is the real person that makes all the Marvel movies work in line. Uh, but now it's becoming much more obvious. So I don't think they're going to have the same cachet and a big, exciting mm. director announcement in the future because they've sort of shown that that's not necessarily where the buck stops. This is why I fucking love Dave Gonzalez, everybody. <laughs> I ask a simple <laughs> question and he gives me the most detailed, brilliant answer I could have asked for. That was that was how do you know all this stuff? Uh, when the story started breaking, you just read everything and <laughs> then balance it against who's printing it and trying to decide which side is being represented. And the fact that there were multiple sides in the Han Solo firing even shows, uh, I guess how big of a deal it is, because if there was any way to avoid this story being the story of the Han Solo movie until we get a trailer, essentially, uh, they would have. So whatever... Lord and Miller were doing, uh, Kathleen Kennedy thought it was that, that off that they could, uh, like hobble this movie before it came out. So yeah. now I'm really interested to see, you know, what the footage comes out as I, I, I'm really interested in the people who are saying that they were allowing improvisation that actually changed the way that the story worked in the screenplay. And that was sort of like the, uh, the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, the bad thing is we still don't know what happened to the force awakens in between Harrison Ford breaking his leg and production restarting again yeah. uh, at the time. And still there are rumors that the movie went through significant changes at that point. Uh, but the star Wars Lucasfilm historians aren't going to let us peek at that. If the force awakens special editions uh, like material is any indication. So you know, it's very possible that like about that. That's actually the first I'm hearing of that. That's interesting. Oh, well, they took some time off. Oh, so Harrison Ford broke his leg when a door closed on it, and then they say took some time off. They actually shut down the production for yeah, Harrison that I Ford. I know, but I didn't heal. know that they actually reworked anything. Yeah, they reworked, from what I understand, middle parts of the film. So uh, the whole Rathar sequence uh, was retooled somehow so that Harrison Ford would have to move less at the very least. At the most, it could have been something completely different, but that's why the middle part of Force hmm. Awakens always felt soft to me is because I remember rumors that that was being reworked. Yeah. Uh, you know, because at that point, they didn't know, you know, is he going to come back and have limited motion? Is he going to come back and we're going to have to, you know, put a green sock on his crutch and, like, <laughs> do special effect shots on that? Yeah. So I feel like there's a lot of... Uh, Han Solo-ness missing from the Han Solo introductory scene in Force Awakens. But mm. the fact that those could happen and that we'll never actually know the Tony Gilroy extent that he shot Rogue One means that there's now this whole secret history of Star Wars uh, production that's being built up, which is interesting for us who are really interested in that side of movies. I don't know what it means to a general audience uh, if we're for far enough into the Lucasfilm Disney experiment that audiences are trusting it as a brand uh, as much as they're trusting Marvel studios. So you could put two fairly unknown people on Captain Marvel and people are like, yeah, well, at least we're getting a Captain Marvel movie. One of those two people is a woman. So you're kind of like meeting us halfway on the fanboy <laughs> side. Uh, but it's not going to be like, oh, cool. Lord and Miller are doing this, that we're going to get a Lord and Miller movie. I think yeah. that, uh, 
that spin's gone. Mm. Now, yeah, and and what I find fascinating is that Lord of the Middle did what eighty percent of the movie. Yeah, and now they get fired. I mean, and now they, uh, they uh, don't these that, don't these people see dailies like. They should have been fired like months ago. Well, hang on, but hang on. Listen, since we, since I know Bill has got to leave shortly, before he does, I want to steer this back towards Justice League, and then we can come back to Star Wars once he's once he's left us. But Bill, uh, since we're discussing all this stuff about the different mm-hmm. people coming in and who gets credit for what and whatever, there's been like a lot of talk about when Justice League comes out. Do you think mm-hmm. it's going to be hard for people to figure out what is Whedon stuff, what is Snyder stuff, and who gets credit if it's any good? Uh, well, people are going to dissect the hell out of it. I can, I can tell you that the, you know, people will, will pick it apart in that regard. Um, golly, they're, they're, they are completely opposite as far as style and so forth. Yeah. I think, I think that, um, wow, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> because like, I feel like yeah, that's going to be a hard one as you're yeah, sitting there watching it. There's yeah, been stuff I, that feels inherently Snyder and stuff that feels inherently Whedon. And if the overall I, I, end result yeah. is thumbs up, who do you give the thumbs up to? Um, <laughs> here's the I think here, and it's not going to be fair, but I think this is the way it'll go down. I think if Justice League kicks ass and is good, everyone will say well, that's because Joss Whedon came in and saved the film. Oof. If it sucks, they're going to blame Zack Snyder. You just you know, pissed which, off so many DC diehards. <laughs> I, I know, but I'm I'm just I, I'm just being real about the matter. It's, it's yeah. There's a built there's a there's a built-in scapegoat already. Yeah. Who's taking taking a beating, uh, fair or unfairly, yeah. and um, and you've got Whedon coming in, and you know, look, just like the Ron Howard thing. I mean, and we talked about it earlier. There, Josh Whedon didn't come in here just to finish somebody's movie, Zack Snyder's movie and doing, doing his pal a favor. There's more to it than that. Yeah. And I know some people, some people don't want to, to accept that. And, you know, and I understand, I understand why Warner brothers from a publicity and marketing standpoint has, is going that route there. That's business there. That's, that's just, you know, that's just the business aspect of it. And same thing with changing the music with Danny Elfman. I mean, he's not coming in to, you know, oh, you know, there was a rumor out or someone reported, oh, he's just doing the music for the, the new scenes that yeah. they're bullshit. shooting. That's bull. That, <laughs> yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah. You know, I mean, I some of these folks, I, you know, I get it. I know how I know the politics. I understand how this works. So and I even asked, you know, someone, a friend of mine uh, who works in the business in L.A., I said, I said, who's going to get director credit for this? And he said, all he said was it, it'll be up to the guild. That's all he gave me. And I don't know how that works. So. When Dave came on, that I thought that stuff was fascinating. I'd love to hear his take on on Justice League with that. Oh yeah, I yeah. mean, I think that the interesting thing about how Justice League happened. Once again, I'm going to enter it from the story side because I don't actually know what's personally going on between these two men. But the way it was announced was that Whedon was already on board, like helping out, and he was just going to mm-hmm. step in and like take over. Which is interesting because that means if there wasn't a tragedy, we may have never known that Whedon was helping out in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's at least the argument to be made that uh, win or lose in November, it has to just be viewed as a DC EU having its shit together or not. Uh, like literally, Justice League is the culmination of what they've been, what Zack Snyder has been trying to do since Man of Steel. Plus what the audience told them after Suicide Squad and Batman v Superman. And so together that has to come and make, you know, this uh, transcendent team up movie that 
puts us all back on track after Wonder Woman gave us a little shot in the arm. Uh, so I think it's going to be a team, a team effort. The nice thing is that between Joss Whedon having Batgirl and Zack Snyder presumably going to move on to another Justice League movie, uh, I, I don't think it'll hobble either of the directors any more than their already divisive figures online. Well, I'm glad uh, you brought but, that up. Because I'm sorry, do you have something to say? I, no, I wanted no. to ask you about Snyder and Justice League too, but finish your point. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, um, I don't know how the DGA is going to fall down on it. I would assume that because we're dealing with the tragedy, uh, Whedon will uh, abdicate the title and it'll be a Zack Snyder film, pure and simple. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Jet and I were discussing, or Bill, I, 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 don't, know, I don't know what to call you. I like Bill, but I like Jet. I, anyway. I'm so, after the both, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, we were discussing earlier today about this idea that, um, oh crap, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Justice League 2? Justice League, yeah, thank you. Woo! All right, it's been, it's, been, it's been a long morning. All right, so with Justice League 2, do, do you think Snyder's coming back, or do you think he's just gone now? Because we're of the mind, I, I think he's just gone. And I think it's going to be very telling. If he does indeed not come back for Justice League 2, we're going to know that he it, it was kind of, it, it's been the plan for a while now to transition him out. Whereas if he does come back, then we know, all right, he just needed a little bit of a break because of what happened in his personal life. But he's, you know, he's still our guy. What do you think it is, Dave? Uh, I would be surprised if pre-production doesn't, continue with Zack Snyder being the assumed director who ends up stepping into that role, uh, you know, afterwards might have something to do with how justice league performs. But I feel like the Snyder family at this point is invested enough in making DCEU work with Jeff Johns that, uh, you know, unless it really is a personal decision, he doesn't want to do it. I think it's his to lose at this point. I can't imagine somebody coming in after giving him justice league after BVS and after giving him BVS after Man of Steel, which, you know, all of those decisions, all of those movies are divisive uh, and some of them divisive among like different groups of people. I, didn't, I think it'd be weird to then just take Justice League 2 away from him, especially after it's a movie that he very publicly didn't finish himself. So I think it'd be weird to say like, well, something terrible happened to you, so we're going to punish you for that uh, yeah. when they, he hasn't been punished for creative decisions that have lost money. Yeah, that's interesting. Something I've discussed in the past, too, is like Warner Brothers seems to have a bit of an M.O. where like they won't fire you, but they'll make you quit. Like they'll make you not want to do it anymore. And somehow that works out in their favor. There have been a few examples of that in the past. Um, you know, like I know it happened with the fellow who was supposed to direct uh, it. You the know, Flash. Carrie. Well, there's that. Oh, it happened with both Flash directors, but but also like with Carrie Fukunaga, who was supposed to do the It movie. Like he he gave a classic example of his dealings with Warner Brothers, where like they they seem to be at odds almost the whole time. But rather than fire him, they kind of just did little things, like they cut his budget in half, and then they bumped it to New Line, and then they kind of started tweaking it. They they basically made it mm. so that he had no choice but to want to walk away. And if you look at some of these other high-profile director departures, you know, Warner Brothers seems to not, like, they don't want to fire you. They don't want to say you can't make this movie, but they will make it so that you walk off. And I wonder if that's going to happen with Justice League, too, because, you know, by, by many accounts, Justice League was taken out of Snyder's hands very early on. You know, he, he had to reshoot a lot of stuff on the fly. The script got scrutinized and redone. Like, that movie, you know, at, at no point was he allowed to make the movie that he was originally planning on making. 
So you got to wonder if he's even feeling like, why would I want to go back and make Justice League 2 if they're so, you know, if they're scrutinizing my vision so much and they want to tweak it. And, you know, and, and now we've got Joss Whedon in here kind of, you know, sculpting things in a totally different direction. So I kind of get the sense where, yes, they might not fire Snyder from Justice League 2, but they might just make it so he just doesn't want to do it anymore because it's not worth the hassle. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah, it would be, I mean, I definitely for directing, I think he's gotta stay in at this point because there's Snyder family DNA yeah. in the entire film line. So I do, I do think it is his to, it would be, it would be a tough move, I think, for Warner Brothers to muscle out like the main director, you know, like yeah. every time we've seen one of these phases of superhero movies, which God, we've been around long enough, we could like look at them. So you have like, John Favreau doing like Iron Man two and being like, uh, I'm kind of uncomfortable. How much of this is about other movies? Uh, yeah. Maybe you don't want me to do this. And so they're like, cool, we'll bring in Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon like puts together like eight movies and they're all kind of work well. And then he does Avengers two and he's like, uh, I'm kind of uncomfortable how much you have to make these all like the other movies. <laughs> <laughs> And now, like, God bless the Rousseaus, that's how they're going to go out, because one way or the other, they have to do two Infinity War movies, which are got to be impossible to make stand on their own. Oh, and, like, my from God, their, yeah. Corvus Glaive has been, like, showing up in set photos. So, like, if we're already going down that route, like, it's just Marvel's going full on into its own continuity. So eventually the Rousseau brothers are going to have to leave because... They're not going to make anything that's going to be seen as a Rousseau brother movies under the Marvel studio banner. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see if people there's a lot of money to be made in being the person that figured out how to make a franchise work. And I think that Zack Snyder could stick around for that if he manages to course correct with Justice League uh, with Joss Whedon. Uh, but uh, if he wants to go and do something, you know, cool as a director, then he should, you know, get out of the studio system and jump over to Netflix. So we'll just let him do whatever he wants and release it streaming. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so now in terms of Bill, I feel like I've, I've, I asked you to be on for like 20 minutes and you've been with me for like an hour. You're amazing. <laughs> uh, okay, no. are, are, do you need to get going? Cause that's fine. Yeah. You know, I'm going to get going. Let me, let, let me say yeah, before I go and I, and Thanks for having me on. This was yeah. fantastic. But I'll say this, and and there, I'm going to have to have you guys and the audience do going to have to do have, do some inferencing right now, or you know, do, you know, because I can't. Let's just say it this way: Josh Whedon came on earlier than what was reported, and um, I think that going forward, I, I don't think. Warner Brothers, even though they're not going to say that it's not down the line, and it, and it probably is because it's just inevitable. I don't think they're worried about getting to Justice League Two yet. I think they're they think they're more concerned with establishing some more solo films and having this, the success they had with Wonder Woman uh, in the near future. And if we get to Justice League Two, then we get to it. I don't think this film is not the two-parter that it was intended to be. That's one of the major changes. And they even kind of retroactively said, oh, we never were going to, you know, this wasn't about, I think it was Deborah Snyder who said it, that we weren't going to do Justice League 2. This was, you know, this was going to be a one-part film, but that's not how it was announced. It was announced as a two-part film, and it was supposed to be a two-part film. So I think you'll see, and probably some of the changes that are being made, hint, that they're going to kind of put a bow on top of everything, 
when everything ends with this film, so they're not having to there's not a huge cliffhanger that's going to lead into another Justice League film. I think there may be some some small seeds, but I think they're worried about getting getting to that like I said, Mario, that DCE EU 2.0 and this and you'll get the ship righted and let's see what we do, you know, where, where it takes us there with another team up Justice League film. So, um I, I'm just not convinced that Snyder will come back. I, I just think that I think there's been so much contentiousness with BVS and then after Justice League and even, you know, even Man of Steel we talked Man about earlier. Yeah. That I I don't know if he'll I don't know if it, it may be mutual. I don't know if he wants to conform to, you know, a producer driven film universe. But on the other hand, um Maybe he will. And, you know, they're, they are letting James Wan have a lot of say with Aquaman. That's why he stayed on board Aquaman, was that he wanted he had a vision for Aquaman, and they're letting him make his, make his vision. Same thing with Matt sure, Reeves and Batman. Yes, he's, you know, exactly. Saying, make your yes. Batman movie. Exactly. So uh, I think they're still – I think Warner is still trying to play – they are a, a traditionally, historically, a filmmaker-driven studio. I think they're still trying to do that. I think there's a – it's hard to have a combined universe. I mean, or, you know, a cinematic universe where everything is interacting. That's not somewhat producer driven because you got to you got to have someone over you know seeing overseeing everything. Yep. Um, so that's what I got. Bill, <laughs> you, know? you sound like a broken man like me with the yeah. DC. Like it, it's, it's so unfortunate how complicated and how, you know, th- th- this series got off to such a bumpy start and how divisive. Yeah. And it's just, I, I, you sound like I feel so I know, I know, but yeah. Bill, thank you yeah. so much for coming on yes. today and taking the time. I'm going to continue on now with Dave and Kel, but uh, Bill, let me know when you want to have me on the Batman on film podcast. I'd be happy. Absolutely. We're going to do, we'll do it soon. Um, and, uh, hit me up. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll tweet this show out and yeah. put a link on Batman on film. And I, I'm looking forward to hearing it. Cause it's, All right. some, it's yeah, some good, right? good stuff. I'm going yeah. to yeah, <laughs> recommend everybody listen. Good stuff on this podcast. Thank you All right, guys, much. y'all. Have a good, hey, happy birthday again. Thank Don't you. drink too much. Everybody have a great, everybody, every, or drink, or go ahead and drink too much. What the hell? Yeah. And uh, every, and everyone uh, have a great weekend. All right. You too, Bill. Great. Thanks, Bezalette. All right, fellas. So, yo, yo. So, I, you know, I, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say about the whole Zack Snyder thing. Yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, I feel personally that he will probably not come back. Um, from what I was hearing and and seeing, like, and obviously they would never tell you, uh, is that he was basically pushed out. You yeah. know, uh, you know, he got shit for Man of Steel, then he got even more shit for Batman versus Superman, and then with Justice he he's gonna get even more. You know what I mean? So it's like, and, if and I was him, I wouldn't come back. And that's my thing too. Like, I I, I just feel like it, like if I'm him, I'm like, what's in this for me anymore? You know what I mean? Like, he seemed to have money. a particular way. Oh, well, money forever. That? But that's the thing. He'll <laughs> get the money just from being the producer. You know what I mean? In terms of, may, I mean, granted, he won't make as much. But like, 
you know, he, he he had a particular vision in mind when he started this DC universe, and he had a particular way he wanted to sort of deconstruct things, and he had his own little Zack Snyderian themes he was going for. I mean, there were those crazy reports from the Justice League set report where he was talking about how, like, the red on Wonder Woman's costume is the congealed blood of her enemies. Like, you know, he had a very, uh, let's say, unique way he wanted to tell these stories and a way of approaching these characters. And it doesn't look like Warner Brothers is going to let him do that anymore. You know, Justice League, you know, they, they practically threw out that script. The whole movie's been reshot on the fly. There's been a lot of work that's gone into making this movie very different than what we've seen before. And it's going to try to be more like Wonder Woman from, you know, by many accounts. So if I'm Snyder, I'm like, do I really want to subject myself to being second guest and having a studio looming over my shoulder the entire time? You know, so that's why I just think he's going to bow out of the director's chair and just stay on as a producer. That's just kind of my hunch. I don't see what's in it for him anymore as a filmmaker to make Justice League 2 unless he can make it his way. And audiences have already rejected his way. Yeah, I think that's the thing is that if audience are rejecting what he sees as a Zack Snyder movie, I would be hesitant to step out of, you know, He's been doing this for over five years at this yeah. point, playing with these same characters. Yeah. Uh, there's a really easy life in just doing that. And, you know, everything's switching to be slightly less director driven. Uh, I think that even it, I think actually forcing Zack Snyder out like Lord and Taylor got forced out where immediately there are yeah. stories about how he's fired is bad for Warner Brothers. Exactly. I think they would like him to like walk away. But I guess is if I'm Zack Snyder, and I've spent five years basically putting money into this CD account. Don't you wait <laughs> until it like fully matures before you cash out? Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, he could yeah. he could jump and do something like he could jump and do a Bloomhouse movie for twenty thousand dollars, and you know get his yayas out. Uh, but that's never going to be the guy who defined the core three DC characters for a generation of filmgoers. Yeah, I mean, I still I still want to know. Or I would I would have loved to seen, and this is going back to Man of Steel. When I went to the Man of Steel junket in L.A. and Bill and I were there, I literally went up and we were chat. I, I was chatting because I know him personally. Um, what's his name? The 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 writer. Oh, Goyer. 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 Yeah. And he had he told me on the side what it was me and and he was telling me he's like he already had a storyline an arc. That would it's going to be Justice League, and he, he told me you're going to be very happy with that. And so I say, oh shit, Justice League is the next film. And then the next, you know, I don't know what happened that they went and did Batman versus Superman. You know what I mean? So yeah, so you love to, you love, love to hear to what the original plan was and how they were going the original to get into plan it. because you know, the first Man of Steel, you you had him his hands on it, you know, as a writer, sort of the story art guy, and then you had Nolan as a producer. Yeah, right then. Shit went down the fucking tubes, whatever happened. And now you have Batman versus Superman with no Nolan touch. And look what yeah, happened. Yeah, he, he abandoned you know ship. And he, in, uh, yeah, he I mean, abandoned ship. And look what happened. And according you know? and to then, stuff. And, go ahead. And then when just as he started shooting, there was a site that's no longer around mentioned that he was fired. Remember that? Yeah. He was fired. And everyone went ape shit on it. That that's not true. That that's fucking bullshit. And then what happened? They sent all these bloggers to L.A. No, to to London. I mean, to L.A. to London. 
to do damage it's an control. Old palace of London to calm the waters down. You know, in yeah. spin mode. Well, it's funny because so, Jet and I were talking about that before you came on. We were talking uh, that you know that report came from Drew McWeeny, who basically exactly. said that Warner Brothers is replacing him, and we all kind of called bullshit on that because the movie was going to start filming in three weeks. But it looks like they kind of pseudo did it; like they didn't fire him outright, but they no. basically you know second guessed every single decision he made. You know, and that's why I go back to this idea of you know if we if we're thinking about his personal tragedy, which is fucking awful, by the way. But yes. imagine you're trying to make a movie and you're going through all this personal strife and heartbreak and you still have to deal with all these chefs in the kitchen. I totally understand why he decided to just bow out when he did and just say, you know what? If this is what you guys want. We're going to just let Whedon finish the movie. Like that was always the sense I got. Like the, the it's the culmination of those two things. After a year of being second guessed and scrutinized for his vision, on top of what happened in his personal life, he'd finally just sort of had enough. So that's why for me, I'm still just going to go ahead and say I would be shocked if he's back in the director's chair. But that's just me. Do you I know. think? What? Go ahead. You think? Do you think Josh Trank is somewhere, like laughing at everybody, <laughs> being like, "How do you all like it, you motherfuckers?" <laughs> <laughs> But see, uh, that's you know that, that you know what. Let's take a second to sort of transition into the Star Wars drama a little more full on now. You know, I, I don't think people realize how much director drama there's been. You know, like it's funny. Like DC always gets so much negative press because their stuff, you know, their, their dirty laundry gets aired out there so publicly. But if you look around, there's been a lot of situations with them already. You know, there there was a you know the, so there was a Josh Trank thing which he didn't even get to make his movie. Then there was right. the Gareth Edwards thing where they, they had to hijack it, bring in another director, Tony Gilroy, you know, rewrite the script and handle the reshoots. Now we got Colin Trevorrow, who's in a, you know, his new movie is getting demolished by, the, by, by critics. You know, the, whatever it is, the Book of Henry or whatever it's called. You yeah, know, like yeah. no one can be that excited about episode nine now because this guy who just delivered this epic turkey is going to be the one who's directing it. On top of that, you know, a lot of the reviews for, uh, for Jurassic World, like it wasn't this universally beloved movie. It had generally positive reviews, but a lot of it, acknowledged that it was kind of a rehash of Jurassic Park and it wasn't as good. So, you know, they, they post J.J. Abrams, Lucasfilm hired this whole fleet of like sort of untested directors. And I think it's coming back to haunt them. It's coming back to bite them. And I just think it's so, sort of worth noting to people because like, you know, for whatever reason, Disney and Lucasfilm get a pass on a lot of this stuff, but DC gets hammered. Um, but will you see if, if Trevor Rowe gets fired? <laughs> I would yeah, be man. really happy. <laughs> See, the window we used to think the window for that was like this month and next month, but now <laughs> since they're willing to let people go eighty percent of the way through yeah, production, we can let we let Trevor go whenever we want. Yeah, and, and that's what I was getting at uh, with you, uh, Dave. Like the whole Phil and and and, and Chris situation—they got fired. Let's call 80% them Lord after, and Miller because that just sounds so. Okay, cool. Lord and Miller <laughs> after. After Lord and Miller got fired, directing eighty percent of the film, right? Is it uh, what they're saying is eighty percent? While you're shooting in February, three weeks into February, maybe the first week of March, don't you know that this shit is going the wrong way? Why wait until eighty percent of the movie to fire them? So, from what I've heard and been able to piece together from reading, they were allowing a lot of uh, performance improvisation, and then 
that turned into them recommending expanded scenes, which turned into them recommending new scenes. And by the time they finally made the call, production was actually worried that they wouldn't have the material to actually make the script that they had agreed upon making, uh, is what I heard. So their dailies, and it's not so much a tonal thing as much as their tonal things started to move the production in a different direction than what Lucasfilm thinks is a Star Wars movie. Like they were making a comedy. Lucasfilm wants a space opera adventure. And that's uh, is what I, I heard. Yeah, and that's where I come to Kathleen Kennedy's defense because I feel like a lot of people are trying to hate on her right now. Like you know, she's being vilified all over the web from what I see. And it's like, I, I don't find that to be just. It sounds like she wanted to give these guys a benefit of the doubt that they can make a good movie. But that ultimately, as as more and more material started to come in, she realized this thing is coming off the rails. And she had to do her best to get things back on track. You know, because this movie, it's not like it's a reboot. It's not a reimagining. It's not a reinterpretation. This is supposed to be part of the Star Wars canon, so it has to fit. It doesn't mean that the tone has to be identical, but your representation of Han Solo, your representation of Chewbacca and Lando Calrissian, it has to line up with the characters that we meet in A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. So if you're just kind of having so much fun going off the walls with improv and, and making it more goofball and whatever, but you're actually ultimately betraying what these characters are meant to be, that's not going to work. You know, so I, I, that's why I don't give Kathleen Kennedy any bit of a hard time about this. I, I kind of get the sense that she probably gave Lord and Miller the same sort of options that she gave Gareth Edwards. Like either you can stay on board and, you know, let us sort of retool things or you work with us on reshaping this or you can leave. And they decided we're leaving. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think there there will be a time in the Star Wars line where we could have spinoff movies that are tonally different. You know, we'll get the war movie that Rogue One was supposed to be, and at some point we'll get the comedy that Han Solo was going to be. Yeah. But the problem is, it's like all these movies were announced and uh, conceptualized when they didn't know if we were going to accept that there was new Star Wars. You know, pre-Force Awakens, this is all just one big question mark. Like, we all live through the prequels. We know it doesn't automatically, you know, do awesome critically and financially. Yeah. So they made really safe choices. Rogue One's a really safe story to tell. Like, we know exactly how it ends. We yeah. know the pieces that are in it. Han Solo's a really safe thing to tell. Uh, at some point, you know, especially once they start making spinoffs that exist after Return of the Jedi in the timeline, I feel like we'll have the space for more director-driven movies. Yeah. But right now, in the concept of it, it doesn't. And even though it makes me really uncomfortable to be arguing that the people with the bigger company and more money is is correct, it's hard to bet against Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. Uh, there are very few times in her career where I've been like, that's a misstep. Uh, yeah. She usually... Like... like uh, her and James Cameron are two people that will constantly get shit when they do something, but, but then they then, release a movie yeah. and people are like, oh, yeah, fair, fair enough. Yeah. And I'm glad I'm glad you're bringing that up because, you know, right now everyone just wants to shit on her. But if you really just think about it, you know, this this was not the property to kind of take creative liberties with. You know, it'll be much easier later on once they start doing things that are not at all attached to the Skywalker saga. Then you could have the filmmaker driven stuff. Then you could try totally different tones. You could have a seven samurai movie. You could have your war movie. You could have something that feels like a Western like whatever it is, you know, you can do all that stuff, but you can't do that with Han Solo. You know, and you can't do that with a movie that's supposed to lead directly into the beginning of a new hope. 
So, you know, I grant, so there's like growing pains here because they have the, you know, they have this approach in mind of what they want to do with these movies. But I think they're realizing we have to wait to get to that point, you know? Um, so I just, I think you hit the, the nail on the head. That, you know, th- eventually there will be more space for unique filmmaker driven tales, but we're just not there yet. You can't do that with a Han Solo movie when you have 40 years worth of fans who know exactly who Han Solo is, what Han Solo is, and how Han Solo is, if you know what I mean. Right. I mean, um, the novels are just getting there where we're finally getting our first short story compilation, I think, uh, later this year. But like, even then with the way they're treating continuity, like the novels have been very strict about what they are and aren't allowed to like include. And like Gareth Edward, Orion Johnson, like helped with the the bloodline princess Leia novel just to make sure it was like all in continuity. So we haven't even gotten to the sandbox part of star Wars in the least controlled part of star Wars yet. So that's how long of a arc we have to go. I mean, I think we'll be done with the original trilogy before we're allowed to play around in the star or the original sequel trilogy before yeah. we're allowed to play around in star Wars. And what, what do you think about Ron Howard coming on to do Han Solo? Like, how did that news strike you? What was your like gut reaction when you read Ron Howard directing Han Solo? Uh, Ron Howard have had, you know, conversations with George Lucas while he was doing the prequel trilogy and like kind of helped him navigate some of the technology that Lucas hadn't, uh, invented himself and therefore didn't know how to use. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think uh, Ron Howard's not a horrible choice. He's not somebody who I'm going to be able to see his visual style. Uh, it's Ron Howard is the workman that they should have hired from the beginning if this is what they wanted. Because it's like Lord and Miller. Yeah. Lord and Miller's track record is taking ideas that are shit on paper and making them into good movies. Yeah. So like, let's make a movie based on Legos. I'm like, fuck you. And then I saw the movie. I'm like, okay. And they're like, <laughs> let's make a let's make a 21 Jump Street movie with Channing Tatum. Yeah, I'm fuck, like, you. fuck you. And I saw the movie. And I'm like, oh okay. <laughs> so like, let's make a Han Solo movie. Uh, you know, that's a prequel with Aldrich Kidian and Lord Taylor. I'm like, okay, kind of fuck you, but let's let's check it out. Like, that's yeah. why you hire these guys is because the idea is like, I don't need a Han solo movie fuck you but like let's see the movie that's not where we're gonna get we're gonna get a rest to development uh you know uh <laughs> han solo which yeah. like I, that's i realize ron howard didn't direct rest of development but i feel like it's going to be that sort of thing where ron howard's face is on another director's work and we just uh assume it's around howard yeah I mean, by the way you hit the nail on the head when you said workman like I feel like the, like guys like Ron Howard guys like Joe Johnston who did the first Captain America and the Rocketeer like the, the, these journeyman directors who've been around for 20 30 years and just give out give you reliable work who know how to work with a studio and compromise and give you a product that appeals to the masses those are the kinds of directors that they should have been bringing in not these like untested people like Josh Trank you know untested people like Colin Trevorrow. That's why for me, it was always a baffling decision on Lucasfilm's part to go like, okay, so we, we started off right. We got J.J. Abrams, who's kind of cut from that sort of cloth of that like Spielbergian, George Lucas, next generation type of cloth. But now from a- after that point, we're going to get guys who have hardly any track record. You know, and I, I really think that it's, it's, it's coming back to bite them in the ass. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the same sort of thing that the Alien franchise have been doing for years, which is you get somebody with heat, you muscle them into doing what you want them to do, and then you move on. 
Yeah. You know, they luck they lucked out because James Cameron and David Fincher were the first two yeah. times they tried that. <laughs> but John Paul Junaid wasn't bad either. That was the same sort of thing. Take somebody hot and throw it on it. Uh, it's interesting that that doesn't really is I, I like I don't think that's going to work anymore because it's become so transparent. Like they threw on Trank. Fantastic Four happened. They learned about how Fantastic Four went down that they couldn't control Trank. They booted Trank. Yep. And then now every single Star Wars movie that's been made has some mystery period in between the start of physical production and the beginning of editing where something happens in the movie and we have no idea what that is. So, I I mean, I was, fully expect... Go ahead. No, no. Was Josh trying fired? F- I know he was fired, but was it for this one or the the third one that they haven't announced? No, it was for one that, that just basically got scrapped. He was supposedly working on like a bounty hunter, like Boba Fett style, you know, movie. Which is this one? Yeah, yeah. There's there's been some uh, artifacts floating around about what that was, but from what we could tell from like the books, were obviously already trying to build to what they thought was going to be a Josh Trank Boba Fett movie. But I think it's a like a cowboy thing. Guy reclaims Boba Fett armor post uh, Return of the Jedi and um, fights the gangs that have currently taken over Tatooine in the vacuum of Jabba the Hutt's murder. Was I think going to be Josh Trank's movie? Yeah. Um, but like to the, the point that, where they that's, that's the one that Simon Kinberg wrote, right? Or no? Or is uh, it... maybe? Yeah, I think uh, he I know was, that was the one they, he was working on. I'm almost positive. Yeah. They definitely had like they. From like had like a reel ready to show at celebration when they brought out Josh Trank and then just that didn't happen. They yeah. just I guess decided he was uncontrollable or somewhat. Somebody yeah. whispered to somebody. And now one last thing before we transition. I know Dave, you're always on borrowed time. I know you have a lot going on as well. So one last <laughs> thing about Star Wars before we move into a little Spider-Man stuff because I gotta pick your brain about what's going on there too. Because I mean, you're fucking Dave, and I have to. But <laughs> um, yeah, it just did you guys read the report that one of the other things that led to Lord and Miller getting shit canned? Uh, suddenly the way they were, was actually the star of the movie himself. Uh, Alden Ehrenreich, uh, supposedly, according to a report at StarWarsNews.net, or StarWarsNet, he was one of the people who, like, was getting worried about what was happening with the development of the movie. That, you know, he was feeling like this thing was coming off the rails and that he spoke to a producer and then that got back to Kennedy and that was one of the impetuses for this. Like, what do you, you know, have you, have you guys heard anything about that? Or you know, how, how does that strike you that apparently, you know, this new Han Solo actor himself was one of the people who was like, all right, we got to we, we got to get this thing back on course. Uh, I mean, that sounds about right in terms of who you're going to trust. Yeah. You're going to trust the guy whose face you have to print on T-shirts and telling people he's Harrison Ford. Like, yeah, I, that 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 job has to have a lot of cachet in production. So I would say that he could be like, let's just assume that Kathleen Kennedy's right for a second. Yeah. That would, he would be the person that whose red flag you'd want to pay attention where he's like, I went in yesterday. They straight had me do an SNL impression of Harrison Ford. You need <laughs> yeah. to come down here. Um, I think that, I think that's legitimate. Um, I know nothing about that actor, which makes me think that he's not 100% on top of the shit every moment. Yeah. So if, if he says something's wrong, that's cause for concern. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's uh, and and that's where again we're like that's why I can't fault Kathleen Kennedy because you know this Han Solo has to line up with Harrison Ford's Han Solo. You know, there's only so much wiggle room. So if he started feeling like this is this is not going to line up with the Han Solo we meet in the Cantina and, and A New Hope, you know, I'm kind of glad he said something. And that's where Lucasfilm we really had to do whatever it took to you know fix that. But okay. Now let's move into the whole Sony Spider-Man MCU Venom Carnage situation, which is kind of just a whole <laughs> big, you know, th- there's so many heads on this beast. Uh, it's almost hard to say where to begin. But so Amy Pascal seemingly confirmed now that the Venom movie will be somewhat connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What was your gut response to that information, Dave? Uh, I think I have a screen cap of the video of Kevin Feige's expression, and my tweet was <laughs> that, that feeling when, yeah, that feeling when you realize the email is a phishing attempt, uh, <laughs> because basically what she did is like, if Amazing Spider-Man is good, then obviously all of our, I mean, if Spider-Man: Homecoming is good, then obviously all our Spider-Man properties will take place in the same world, and because obviously we own that property, and. Kevin Feige realized that he accidentally uh, like made a backdoor into the MCU and he can't do anything about it because she's 100% right. All those things are Sony's property. They have the right to insist that their IPs exist in the same fictional universe. Yeah. They have the right to have Tom Holland show up in a credit scene at the end of Venom yeah. and, and Marvel studios can't stop them. So yeah, uh, the whole in the same world wording is like perfect, perfect espionage because <laughs> we don't know. We don't know which, like, obviously, you know, if that means they could be like, well, something, 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 you know, Peter Parker at Queens, and that's all we get. Or it could be like Oscorp's there, which then you're backdooring Oscorp into the MCU, but then they're never going to mention it. It's but, like there's a whole bunch of weird overlap that uh, Sony, it, it was kind of like a weird Sony power grab, which right, is interesting this deep in the movie. Optimistic devil's advocate, which maybe that's a, <laughs> that's a contradiction in and of itself. But optimistic devil's advocate, what if his surprised look on his face wasn't so much an oh fuck sort of thing, but more so like she's letting the cat out of the bag and we weren't ready to talk about this yet. You know, what if it's like they, they were going to, you know, have some sort of tease in Infinity War about a, a, the symbiote arriving on Earth. What if, like, this was all supposed to be a big shocker at some point, and this lady just blurted it out? Would, do you think there's any chance uh, that's why he had that look on his face? No, because if Kevin Feige were to announce that, that would be a coup, and there's no reason for Sony to give up the Spider-Man IP ever, especially now. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, like, if if that announcement's going to come, it's going to come from everybody all at once. This was Amy Pascal talking about a Sony movie that she's producing that also happens to be pretty much the exact same Venom script that Aviard and Matt Tolomach have been working on since Amazing Spider-Man 2. Oh, is but it? But now it's being, oh, oh yeah. He was, I mean, uh, I don't know how much Calvin and I could talk about it, but there was oh, some. We could, we could. We could. Okay, so, so right yeah. when the Sony, the Spider-Man Homecoming deal happened, Avi got in contact with Kelvin yeah. and basically <laughs> said, like, because we were reporting that, like, you know, Avi and Matt's reign of producing Spider-Man movies is done, it's over, and he's like, no, we still, we're still doing stuff. He, and he basically, he basically emailed me saying, if you want to, re- if you want to know the real story, 
contact me, not spread fucking bullshit or something like that in 2003. He was mad. Right. <laughs> and so we tried he got mad to get him because you know he was like, "We're still doing this." I'm like, "Okay, but not now." Well, I mean, so we tried to get him on the record, and he didn't yeah. at the time. But what this looks like, because now Venom is independent, it's all Sony, it's Avi and Matt at the top, is that they didn't stop. So all the things that I was asking them about on the Amazing Spider-Man 2 junket about, is Venom going to be solo? Yes, there are going to be other symbiotes. We're discussing that. What are you looking for? We're looking for like an anti-hero monster movie. Like all those things seem to still apply, which makes me think they just dusted it off and they're like, now's the time that the Spider-Man property is actually going to be worth something. So it gets this injection of Iron Man blood uh, to peel it off and make it its own thing. It's going to be really interesting, though, to see if that movie can finagle its way into the MCU, because just personally, I don't think anybody's going to let Aviara near Marvel Studios property anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. I mean, it's the fact that also part of this deal that we're learning is that every Spider-Man sequel that Marvel Studios produces is supposed to have a different MCU hero in it. So Iron oh, Man God. won't be in Homecoming 2. There's going to be another one, like a Hulk or like a Captain Marvel. So it's really weird that Marvel's seeding so much into this center territory <laughs> so they could have Spider-Man. And now Sony's like, well, you just left us this huge opening. We're just going to do exactly what you're doing, but in reverse. Oh, and God. If, <laughs> if it works for them, you know, it's going to be great. But uh, uh, I think Boris Kitt's report uh, on the, uh, this week said that the, the list that the contested list which is uh, Sony bought uh, the Spider-Man property, and there's a list of characters that have to be discussed if they're going to be used on whether or not they are the Spider-Man property, is reportedly as many as 900 characters oh deep. Oh, my God. So that's the amount of IP that you were dealing with. So that's, you know, Spider-Ham. Uh, that's, <laughs> you know, all versions of Aunt May that have ever been published. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, Gwen Stacy supermodel uh, and Mary Jane supermodel and Spider-Gwen. And so the fact that they have finally figured out a way, if Marvel can make this IP valuable for them, they have 899 other attempts that they could do to spin this off that are not Peter Parker and they're going to execute that as much as possible so do because you think, Sony needs a win. Do you think Marvel will rue the day they made this deal with, with Spider-Man at any point? I think, uh, no, cause I think they're getting what they want out of it, which is Spider-Man and infinity war alongside yeah. their banner first, their first group of Marvel heroes. So like 20 years from now, when we're all sick of talking about this and everything's been rebooted, <laughs> yeah. Spider-Man will be together with captain America and Iron Man again. But like the fact that they were able to make this happen even though for years everybody on both sides was saying it was literally impossible, I think is a big enough win for Marvel. They're going to really, they're going to keep hitting you with your non-Spider-Man involved things, uh, your space and your guardians and your Dr. Strange. Uh, but I, I, I think they're not going to regret it. I think they accidentally made a weird continuity mistake, but it's more like the equivalent of, putting an alien skull in predator two is a joke, but then accidentally starting like the shit that becomes the franchise. That's <laughs> like what Marvel accidentally did with Sony is they made just enough of a connection that the audiences might be able to believe it. And that cachet of goodwill might transfer onto Sony superhero movies for the first time. Hopefully. Now, I mean, that whole thing about venom and the uh, MCU. And I mean, we, I mean, I don't know about you, my Mario, but I pretty much knew that was going to happen after, 
reading the silver and black story details. You know what I mean? Like when we announced that yeah. Norman Osborn was gonna is in that film. Well, not physically, but he's in it. Yeah, so it means oh. like yeah, you can't have Osborne in there and not at some point yeah. get Peter involved and not have so. Spider Man. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's basically, uh, you know, the you know a financier in the film. Yeah, you know what I mean. So. Well, similar to what they were doing at the freaking Amazing Spider Man movies, where Osborne, you know, Oscorp was like at like the center of everything. So you know, it looks like they're going to well, still and- try to do that somehow. The only weird thing now is that if you ever want to go show Peter Parker in his school, you have Marvel characters in murals in the goddamn school. So it's literally inseparable. <laughs> like Marvel seeded the center of this Venn diagram to middle property, and Sony's going to reap the benefits of that much more, I think, than Marvel is if they manage to tie Venom and Black and Silver to the MCU. But, like yeah, yeah, like yeah. Calvin's saying, if they if they're the ones with the power to put Norman Osborn in the MCU, that's like crazy fucked up. <laughs> yeah. But what if what if we have a really good Venom movie with Carnage as the villain and it leads into a maximum Carnage movie with Spider-Man in it? Come on. Come on. Isn't that amazing? Come on. That'd be great. That's gonna <laughs> with Tom Holland will be 30 at that point, but I'm into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, do we think it's going to take that long? What uh, do we know when Venom is supposed to go into production? It should be soon, right? Like, uh, if they start shooting later this year, that makes sense. But still, you got to clear Holland's on contractual link for two more Spider-Man movies. All right, and... so why can't the next Spidey be Spider-Man: Maximum Carnage as the subheadline instead of Homecoming? Huh? It could. That would probably involve what they've hinted about, which is uh, cutting the MCU deal short. Uh, because I don't know if uh, Marvel Studios would step in to produce something that was launched outside of them. That doesn't yeah. seem like their bag. Yeah, that's like true. it's their property, but it's not going to be their story by the time Aviard and Matt Tolmach are done with it. Uh, but that being said, there are great ways to do Venom without Spider-Man, which is like the, the dumbest thing about Venom is that he has a white spider on him because once it touched Spider-Man, yeah. like the, 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 I have no problem with a solo Venom movie that is tangentially or not related to Spider-Man at all. So I, that doesn't make me worried about the Venom movie at all. It does make me worried about uh, plotting. If you're going to if you're going to start building movies that you want to incorporate in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but you plot them like they're in a different universe, it's going to make weirdness down the line, yeah. I think. What uh, just and just before I let you go, just a little bit of fan casting. Who would you love to see play Carnage? Cuz I I've uh, got I've got a little list of my own, but I'd love to see what you, you know, what you would think since you're a far more hardcore uh, Spider-Man fan than I am. Who would I want to say? Uh, okay, so I'm not super psyched about how he lo- he's looking in uh, Detroit, but I would put Will Will Poulter in as Cassidy. Oh. I think he could do a crazy. He was almost uh, it. He yeah, was almost yeah, Pennywise. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think, uh, interesting. There's something in that act, or at least uh, I saw him, or I got to hang out with him briefly on a Maze Runner set visit, and I feel like he's one of those young actors at the time where I was like, oh, you have something else in you that someone's going to bring out in a really fucked up movie. And I would love that to be an action movie. But it looks like it might be Detroit. We'll see. 
Will Poulter, though, is my guess. Will Poulter. Yeah, mine, like, he, he's a little older, but I just think he's so good. That uh, Walter Goggins Jr.? Oh, yeah. I would totally love to see him uh, as Cletus Cassidy. I, I think he's got that, like, sadistic sort of thing about him, those crazy eyes. I think I would love to see him go toe-to-toe uh, with Tom Hardy, but that's just me. Who would you cast, Oh, Joe? yeah. Man, that's a, I, that's a hard one. I have no one in mind, to be honest with you. All right. Because I was also thinking of no people one. like like Domhnall Gleeson, because he's, you know, he's got the red hair and he's pretty versatile. I even thought of Damian Lewis, but he might be a little. He might have aged himself out of it at this point. How old is the character, um, Dave? Do you know? Well, we don't know at this point. Uh, so the Carnage is a like basically like a child symbiote. If, if we're going with a certain continuity to Venom, uh, and he uh, instead of um, inhabiting Eddie Brock, who's at least somewhat sane, he attaches himself to Keith's Classity, who is an insane person, and that's why Carnage is so crazy. He's always been shown slightly more, or he's always been designed. Uh, sleeker and skinnier and obviously the red hair and sort of the blood uh so i've always pictured somebody younger than tom hardy yeah uh but it could go either way because it's a symbiote possessing somebody else so it could go either way yeah all right well dave thank you so much for coming on kelvin you better stick around but let's say goodbye to mr gonzalez it really means a lot to me that you jumped on what was the name of your other podcast your podcast i know you have storm of spoilers and what's the other one so if you go to fightinginthewarroom.com, you could get all my podcasts i do Ooh, i uh, post them all up there and then next week uh, i'll be in nashville for the first annual con of thrones uh, Thrones, we're, we're putting together a Game of Thrones convention, guys. It's yeah, that's amazing. Awesome. I gotta, okay, I gotta check that out. How psyched are you for the next season? Uh, amazingly psyched. Uh, I started, you know, getting my spoilers in line. Uh, I think there's <laughs> gonna be some crazy shit. Uh, we're entering crazy shit period of Game of Thrones. What used to be medieval politics. Now it's just going to be like dragons fighting ice zombies. So strap (laughs) in, everybody. It's going to be quite (laughs) the July. Yeah. Oh, man, I can't wait. All right, Dave, thank you so much, man. I'll have you on again soon. You're the man. Have a good one. Cool. Happy birthday, Mario. Thank you. See you, Kevin. All right, buddy. So, Kel, there's still some more interesting news to go down while, while I got you here before we wrap this puppy up. Um. Have you heard about this thing with David Fincher and World War Z? What's up? What, What's David up? fucking Fincher is going to direct World War Z oh, yeah, 2 yeah, with Brad yeah. Pitt. Like that yeah. finally officially got confirmed. You know, for months and months there's been like, oh, you know, he 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 would like to do it and whatever. Well, I, yeah. But the, I uh, was the the, yeah, he already had the gig. That's all no, I'm no, it, okay. it finally got you. Know, Jim Janopoulos from uh, Paramount Pictures like officially confirmed it this week. And to me, that's just bananas. Like, you know, David Fincher is one of these great directors. You know, he's one of like the the best of like I would say the last twenty years. He's part of that crop of directors who, when they make something, you got to pay fucking attention. And for him to sign on to make a sequel to a zombie movie, uh, you'd got to think he's got a lot that he wants to say and do with this movie. 
And it just to me, that, that, that excites me more than anything. Like this week, you know, the, the big director news was the fact that Ron Howard, you know, took yeah. over Han Solo, Lord and Miller left, whatever. But for me, like the, the director news that really like got me the most excited was actually the Fincher story, not even the, uh, any of that Ron Howard, none of that other stuff. Um, like, well, yeah, I mean, that's cool because that's their first time back since, what, seven? Yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah. They, they, they did. Uh, oh, did they, Fincher did, did Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Yes. yes, he did. Yes. But either way, like the fact that like instantly this sequel becomes an A-list title. You know, you got Brad Pitt, you got David Fincher and they're together. And what might have just seemed like, really, we're going to make some late ass sequel to a zombie movie that, you know, from like four years ago now. Like, why are we doing this? But when you have names like Pitt and Fincher involved, like now this movie is at the top of my like, I you know, I'm keeping a very watchful eye on it. And I personally hope it's fucking scary. You know, I feel like too many of these movies, like The Mummy, are like you know, they, they they get they get too scared to be scary. Ironically enough, you know, like since they want to make millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, and the budgets are usually so high because of all the effects, they kind of pull the punch on the tension. They kind of pull their punches when it comes to the gore, and I'm just hoping, you know, since this is the director of Seven, the director of Zodiac, uh, I hope that World War Z is fucking scary. You know. Yeah, so do I. I mean, I, I like all his stuff. Yeah. Um, and It'll be interesting because, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I like the first film, even though it had all this you know, I negative thing about Yeah, I mean, it had its know. own production hell where they had to, you know, redo haul the thing ending. and redo the whole third act and whatever. I mean, we've been hearing a lot about this stuff lately with, you know, the 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 things having to get totally reworked in post-production but world war z was one of those shining examples of like all right it took a lot of work but the end result ended up being pretty damn good yeah um yeah so i'm very excited about that there was also the news which i guess shouldn't come as any surprise but you know jeff johns and patty jenkins have begun work on wonder woman 2 um, they're right now, you know, the, the, they're writing the treatment together. I don't believe Jenkins was a writer on the first movie. So it looks like, you know, they're stepping up her influence a little bit here. That's pretty exciting to me, especially to hear that Jeff Johns is co-writing it. Uh, it's funny. We, we were talking earlier about how strange it is, how things work with like who gets the credit for what. And, yeah. you know, Jeff Johns does not get credit as a as a writer on Wonder Woman, but meanwhile Warner Brothers has already announced him. Like last year, they announced him as writing it with Alan Heinberg, and then there was and then even as of late, there have been like uh, interviews with producers on the film who have said that he worked on the script for the movie. So I don't know why he doesn't get credit for it, but Jeff Johns has written on the you know he wrote on Wonder Woman one and he's working on Wonder Woman two. So and I isn't just, he working on Batman? No, yeah, I, mean, well, I, well, I know he was working on it with Ben Affleck, but remember, that script got tossed. So we oh, don't yeah, know right. what's happening anymore. You know, they went back to page one. Yeah, as soon as Matt Reeves came on, which is the story we broke, he wanted full creative control. So that script that Johns was working on with Affleck and that even Chris Terrio took a polish on, uh, it's, it's gone now. So I, I don't know how much of that script will be used. I don't even know if we're going to see fucking Joe Manganiello as Deathstroke anymore, to be honest. No, I know, right? I feel bad for the guy. Yeah, uh, that's why I also kind of have like this feeling, though, that, you know, since the, Warner Brothers is trying to make safe bets, you know, n now they're sort of like scared after the first couple of movies did so poorly. 
uh, in terms of the fan response and, and, and the overall perception of the DCEU. They're trying to make everything safer. That's why Wonder Woman was more like comedic and light and adventurous. That's why Justice League is now going to have the Joss Whedon touches. So I wonder if this Batman movie, rather than having him go up against a more obscure villain like Deathstroke, I wonder if they're going to say, fuck it, we got to have Batman Joker now. Because you know, that is like the safe play. That is Batman's biggest nemesis. We have these two huge actors in Affleck and Leto. We got to have Joker be the villain in this. Like, I wonder if that's where they're going to go with the Matt Reeves, the Batman movie. That's just, you know. I mean, I, I hope in a sense that they don't. And I hope that they go. And if they're going to show the Joker, like show him in a flashback scene, you know what I mean? Like uh, yeah. him remembering something. But what I liked about, like, for example, the Nolan films. Yeah. Is that he didn't start off with the Joker at first? Yeah, you know it was Ra's al Ghul, someone that we've never seen on film as the villain. Yeah, and then on the third one that you know it wasn't received well by critics, with Bane, someone that you know obviously we saw him small one on the those old eighties or nineties film, you know, um, with with Tom Hardy as Bane, which yeah we've seen it before but not like this. No, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. But, uh, and the same thing with the Joker. We've seen him before, but not like not like this. I think that they, they should go with somebody who, who we haven't seen, like like what you were saying, a Deathstroke. You know, someone like think about who is probably the second bad villain. Well, there's Penguin, but we've already seen him. You know who I don't think has been done justice to, and I actually said this on Twitter a while back. I want to see a proper Batman Riddler movie. You know, because like you know, Jim Carrey's Riddler from Batman Forever. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, he was it was fine for what it was. He was at the height of his you know Hollywood powers at the time, Jim Carrey, and he made kind of like a goofball, whatever. I would love to see like a really cerebral Riddler who you know with the puzzles and the mind games. Um, I think he would be a great central villain in a movie, and he hasn't really been done justice as of yet. So I would love if they did like a Riddler movie and then work their way towards Joker. I'm just wondering, though, if I'm Warner Brothers, you know, and I know that I've only got Leto and Affleck for so long, I might feel like I need to make that movie soon, you know? So we'll see what happens there. Um, But I think that's it for the news I really wanted to cover. You know, there was just that little one-off thing you heard, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis is going to be retiring from acting. Uh, do you have any response to that? Even uh, Soderbergh. What's that? What was the guy's name? The, oh, yes. the director. Yeah, Steven Soderbergh at yeah. some point said he was <laughs> retiring. Yeah. Remember when Joaquin Phoenix said he was retiring yeah. and then he ended up coming back and that was all just a stunt? I mean, I get the sense Daniel Day-Lewis is legit going to retire. But right now, I got to say something that's totally, like, shocking. People can't believe this. Are you ready to be shocked and appalled, Kelvin? Yep. I've never watched a full Daniel Day-Lewis movie. I'm I'm a movie buff, and I love actors and acting. And somehow, you know what it is? I think he just doesn't choose things that appeal to me. There's nothing against the guy. Yeah, I get it. No, no, I get it. But the movies he chooses, I've never been like, oh, well, I got to go see that. So I've literally, in my 34, well, I have to get used to saying that, my 34 years of life, I have never watched from start to finish a Daniel Day-Lewis movie. Oh, wow. You know, I saw Gangs of New York then? No, I saw... I saw Gangs of New York not because of him. I saw it yeah. because of Leo. 
Oh, I know you like your Leo. I like my Leo. No, I, I remember like I watched like the first twenty minutes at like one in the morning one night, and then I and I just fell asleep. Not because of the movie, but because it was one in the fucking morning. But uh, yeah, I, I just saw the beginning. I saw the setup for it. I saw like one or two scenes with him. I thought, oh, that looks pretty good. And then I fell asleep and never got back to it. So I've literally, I, I, I couldn't tell you what a full Daniel Day Lewis movie looks like. I hear he's amazing. I trust that he's amazing. I've even got the, the, the SAG screener, because I'm a member of the Screen Actors Guild. They sent me Lincoln. I have the DVD. I'm staring at it right now, and I've never actually put it into my player. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I just, with, with, with Daniel Day-Lewis and I, he just t- tends to not choose things that I get all that excited about. But either no, no, way. No, I agree with you. It's, it's not like you say, oh, shit, I need to see that film. Yeah. You know, it, you know he doesn't like, do that. I get it. But, you know, he is an actor's actor, I guess. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Indeed, uh, so. you didn't see the other one that he did that he won the Oscar for? What, What's the, the name like of My that Left one? Foot or whatever? No, no, that one I didn't see. Uh, the other one. With Paul Dano. Oh no, the 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 there will be blood. The oil. There will yes, be blood. Yeah, no, was, I didn't he see was that good either. That. Yeah, that listen, was, I'm sure that. he's amazing and everything. I just haven't fucking seen it. I suck. But uh, either way, let's wish him well. Happy retirement, Mister uh, Mister Day Lewis. Let's see if you stick to that. I don't know why you'd want to do this. You're still a young man. You still, still have yeah, a lot right, yeah. more in you. But hey, you know, if that's what he wants to do, that's what he wants to do. Clearly, it's not going to affect my viewing habits all that much, whether or not he makes movies <laughs> or not. But um, all right, Kel. So I'm going to let you go here unless you have some other little bochinchers, anything you want to share. And, no, I just told you about the Ron Howard thing. Is yeah. you know the whole thing. The the deal is that you know not Lucas only will you be doing this, but, but we got something else for you. A Lucasfilm project. What, what that will be? Who knows? It could be a Star Wars. It could be Indiana Jones. Uh, he's gonna get old be, and Aaron Reich to play a young Indiana Jones while he's at it, and he'll do it. Indiana exactly. Jones Look, <laughs> you heard it here first. He's playing Indiana Jones. Imagine. Um, all right, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm gonna make uh-huh. sure this is available via the Splash Report. Everyone, you should be checking out the Splash Report every day for all the latest fanboy hot scoops, news, and bochinchik. As Kelvin runs a tight ship down there. And that site is the place to be. Oh, and by the way, how good does it feel to see that our Justice League scoop continues to basically get confirmed and confirmed and confirmed? Everyone who talks about it every week, there's more you know people talking about how yep that movie's been remade, and everyone initially shit all over us for breaking the story that the reshoots were going to be very very significant and that the movie's already been completely altered from plan A. Does it feel no, good? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it feels fantastic, my man. And it's, yeah. and it's funny because, you know, I think one blogger came up to me and literally apologized for what oh, happened. Oh, wow. I'm not going to mention what it is, who it yeah. was, or who, who he is, but he, he he apologized and he said, you know, blah, blah. And then there was another person that came up to me saying that, you know, they had to play politics with the studio, that there was a spin mode, yeah. that they, they didn't want the thing out, and at the end of the day, I just thought to myself, you, you fuckers look like assholes anyway. Yeah. Because yeah. the studio told you what to say and then they fucked you. Yeah. So that's why <laughs> anyone, anyone listening to this right now, this is why you got to trust the Splash Report. Because we were telling you guys about this Justice League stuff before the Zack Snyder, Joss Whedon announcement happened. Before Danny Elfman came on and completely replaced Junkie XL. Before more and more things started coming out about the size and scope of these reshoots we were literally the first place to share that with the world so remember that the splash report is where you get your scoops 
Carajo. And so it, it was so it was funny. We were the first one. It was so first that I even called Bill, who was on the podcast, and I told him, "Have you heard?" He goes, "That's the first I heard of it, dude." Let me make some calls. So I even before he made, it, I I ran it, and then he ended up texting me back saying, "It's true. You're absolutely right." But he had heard more, and then that's when he ran his story about what he had also heard. Yep. You know. But yeah. All right. All right, guys. And then, and then you know, we're just doing more stuff, you know, more uh, story details on, on stuff. Look, the test screening on Blade Runner, we were we were forced to take it down. Oh, <laughs> you, yeah. Yep. You would know this firsthand. I don't even think we could talk yeah. about it now because we've been legally, you know, gag ordered. Yeah. But we gag also ordered. gave you all the uh, the earliest buzz on Blade Runner 2049. And not to mention, we also got all the, the inside scoop on what's going on with Sony and all their Spider-Man plans and how they're handling the Peter Parker connection and the MCU connections. So, guys, the Splash Report, that's Kelvin's site. You should be checking that shit out every day. Calvin, my man, thank you so much for coming on today. All right? All right, my man. To you later. Happy birthday. And have a good one. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So there you have it, folks. Uh, those were, I mean, that was such a thrill to be a part of at some point to have all these guys together on here with me to talk about this stuff. I mean, I did not see this coming, but I'm so glad it all came together. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it half as much as I enjoyed putting it together for you. Um, honestly, since we're already at over two hours uh, and it is my birthday and I got to go enjoy myself, I didn't really get to tackle your L fanboy questions this week. I think a lot of them we sort of, you know, touched throughout the natural course of the conversation. Uh, there's one in particular, though, from Mr. Sam Cantu. Uh, who, this is the first time you've ever sent in a question, so I really appreciate that, Mr. Cantu. He wants to know if there's any truth to the rumors of Zac Efron as Nightwing. And you know what? I'm going to ask Bill about that and get back to you on next week's show. All right. So as for everything else, it was a lot of questions about Ron Howard taking over and how this will affect Han Solo. I'm pretty sure we covered all that. So the last thing I really want to do is thank the two people who added five star reviews for the show. That, that, that sort of stuff is really so important. So I'm going to go ahead and read the two latest reviews and ask that everyone, if you're listening to this, especially because it's my birthday, the best gift you could give me is to jump onto iTunes, give me five stars, and even if it's just a sentence, you don't have to write a novella, just let me know how you're liking the show, let everyone else know how you're liking the show, and it would really mean a lot to me and to help grow the show. All right, can I say show one more fucking time? But okay, here are the two reviews that I've gotten in the last week. This one comes from Aaron414. He said, thankful for the new show. Mario's love for movies and of being a fanboy comes through in each episode. I love being able to hear a fellow Latino talk about these topics, but this is a show for everyone. You want knowledge? This is the place to be. The man knows what he's talking about, and this show ranks with the best of the genre. Onward to better things. Thank you, Aaron. Then we've got from CM0044, a real fanboy podcast. He wrote, I was, or she, I, I, I honestly don't know. It's just CM. Uh, I was waiting for that other site <clears throat> to update their weekly podcast only to find out that their last, that, that their two best fanboy hosts have gone. That's me and Kelvin, I assume. I'm so glad to see MFR doing great work over here. I think you are doing even better shows than before. Thank you. And remember, 
Con dinero baila el perro. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned the con dinero part because, especially after speaking to Brandon about it earlier on this episode uh, and hearing from some of the feedback you guys on Twitter, I've got to get the Patreon going because with the amount of time I invest in El Fanboy, which I really do as a labor of love, you know, it takes hours and hours and hours to put this thing together. Uh, and if I want to continue to do this, if I want to continue to book wonderful guests and have these spirited conversations about the stuff you guys care about, at some point I got to start getting something out of it. I get crazy looks from my wife whenever she sees how much time and how much effort I put into this stuff. You know, I do have a couple of little kids to take care of. I've got a house to help co-maintain here. And pretty soon, I think I'm going back to take, you know, I'm going to graduate school soon also. So my time is going to start getting stretched very thin. But uh, if I can get the Patreon going and you guys can help me make this a reality um, or continue to make it a reality, uh, that'll be greatly appreciated. And I know that that's on me to finally get that going. I've been talking about Patreon for like, three months now and I haven't got it going. So I will try my best to have an update on that by next week because it is going to start becoming more and more pressing that I get that taken care of. But guys, thank you so much. I couldn't have thought of a better group of people to spend my birthday with. Um, and now it's time for me to go pick up my little girl from school and go celebrate. I hope you guys are celebrating your lives out there. You're all having wonderful Fridays, wonderful weekends ahead of you. And stay tuned. Next week, our Fanboy Podcast returns. Until then, adios.